This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking crazy rich Asians. How crazy are they? Super crazy. And rich. Super rich. Now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Out Now is a film... Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We're covering some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other movie topics. Other fun movie topics. This is episode... That's somehow become more... What is going on tonight? It's somehow become more of a tongue twister as the years have gone by, which is very strange. you just... You didn't drink some water before? I don't I, know. I literally just finished my water, actually. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is episode 336, 336. It's an even number. Correct. Yeah. And uh, this week we are talking Crazy Rich Asians. Um, I will get back to that in a second, but yeah, we are going to talk about Crazy Rich Asians for this week's episode. And uh, joining this, us this week, uh, we are we have uh, from Geeks of Doom and That's It LA, You Can't Lose Him Without a Trace. It's Michael Lee. Hello there. I wrote that before. We changed what we were talking about this week, but I'm going to stick with it anyway. <laughs> also joining us from Endor Express, the only thing crazier than him is his toy collection. It's David, yeah? Hubba hubba. What's happening, toy guys? Collection. That was a quote from Crazy Rich Asians. I like it. I like it. I also am very curious about your toy collection now that Aaron's referencing. Wait, you don't know about my, about my uh, toy collection? That seems like there's two things to know about David. His photos and his toys. He does love his toys, but I wasn't sure if that was a reference to Crazy Rich Asians. No. No, it was, okay. a, it was a reference to David. <laughs> it's just a David reference. Okay, I got it. Yeah, there's nothing crazier than me, he said. This, just, this, is... this joke has not worked out. <laughs> but the chemistry anyway, between all on. of us is yeah. wonderful. How are you guys doing? <laughs> doing well, doing well. Doing well, too. Let so I, I I pointed this out already, um, and I announced this previously on the episodes. We were going to talk Crazy Rich Asians and Searching, but uh, due to only half of us having seen Searching so far, because it was only like nine theaters this weekend, uh, we're going to uh, put the Searching episode onto a bit of a delay. I have some ideas of how Abe and I will handle that in the future, probably for a, uh, possibly a Knights episode. But or, or just a bonus episode in general. But we will talk about searching because we do want to talk about it at some point because I do think it's a film that's well worth discussion. But with that said, I do think there's plenty to talk about with just Crazy Rich Asians. I think there was tons to talk about as, as well. Yeah, so we will be doing a full episode for Crazy Rich Asians, but we still have all the plenty of fun stuff as well. And with that, let's get to some show notes. First up, uh, our commentary track. Speaking of fun stuff, uh, we do a commentary track every month. And we have a new one that just hit iTunes and everything else uh, this past week. It is for Halloween, colon, H2O. 20 years later, it's a long title, uh, but I, I just put Halloween H2O for the brevity. Uh, but yeah, uh, Scott, Brandon, and I, podcast commentary regulars, uh, we all talked about the that seventh entry in the Halloween series. Um, and yeah, we had a lot of fun doing that. It was in honor of the 20th anniversary of Halloween H2O, as well as the, um, the upcoming uh, October release of the new Halloween, as I'm calling it, H4O. Uh, so yeah, uh, get ready for that. But in, for, until then, the commentary track is up now. It's a lot of fun. We packed a lot of info in there, a lot of jokes in there, a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun all around. 
Uh, so yeah, check that one out. What else? Summer Gamble, guys. It's coming to it's a coming close. To close. It's coming yeah. to a close. Uh, we've been, uh, Abe and I, uh, we we predicted what we think are going to be the top 10 highest grossing films of the summer. We had a lot of regular guests join us for this one as well. Uh, and yeah, that's, it's coming down to the wire with a few of these releases. Because there's some big shifts that could happen within the next week when this officially ends. Um, but we'll just say there is something. Is there, is there one that you're trying to tease specifically? Well, the Meg is That's right. That's exactly the, what I was It's thinking. right yeah. behind <laughs> Mamma Mia. It has about a yeah. week to catch up to Mamma Mia to be number 10. Ant-Man is about to pass Solo. Um, and if by some crazy Tom Cruise miracle, Mission Impossible Fallout might catch up to both of those. So That's we'll see. That's a phrase that we should uh, employ more often. It's a Tom Cruise miracle. Yeah, TCM. <laughs> That's not taken, right? <laughs> I think that's. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> the TCM. I didn't realize that that was the station. That that's that that uh, it was referring to Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. They all. They, yeah, I was watching TCM the other day. They were playing Blinds for Lambs and Valkyrie. It was a weird selection. No, it was a very Tom Cruise selection. Uh, yeah, it was a Tom Cruise selection. But I mean, when yeah. you think Tom Cruise, I don't think you're thinking Lines for Lambs and, and Valkyrie. <laughs> I don't know why those came to mind first in this joke that I I'm don't really know like, why. Don't be talking about Lines for Lambs. <laughs> I'm proud of it. I'll say that. I'm glad that. You know that Robert, Robert Redford vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about this right now, too. We've had a contest going that I kind of stopped mentioning for a while uh, where you could submit your own dinosaur. It was our Kudras a Dinosaur Contest, which we decided that we're going to end at the end of summer, which would be next week. Uh, so in case you haven't done so already, and in case you're hearing this now because you're like, I want to hear that Crazy Rich Asians episode, and you're like, oh, my God, there's a contest, too? I got everything I wanted this week. Well... Good, because all you have to do is draw us a dinosaur, paste together two images of a dinosaur, do whatever you want to that creates your own unique dinosaur, name it, and send it to us on our Facebook page, on our Twitter, on our email, on our podcast at gmail.com, anything you want to do. By doing so, we will select one at random, or the one we feel best. No, we'll do one at random. And, uh, random. Yeah, one at random. That's better. That's better. Um, and uh, But we'll be happy to post all the dinosaurs in some kind of elaborate thing. Uh, and the winner will receive the downloadable streaming codes for all four uh, Jurassic Park films, uh, not including the recent one, obviously, because it's not out yet, but the uh, previous four films, uh, you could win all of those on streaming. That means you get at least two good movies. <laughs> Jurassic, yeah, World and Jurassic Park. <laughs> That's where I lean on these days. Right. I, I like three more than most, but I understand. <laughs> understandable, understandable. But yeah, draw us a dinosaur. Hashtag draw us a dinosaur. The, uh, <laughs> it, I, I just want to see really fun dinosaurs. We've had some good, excellent submissions. We got so far, some cool so entries, yeah. Much. We got some cool yeah. drawn ones from listeners' kids and stuff. Like that's always fun. Yeah, um, we're looking at we're looking at the uh, the the remaining few days here. Yeah, I'll put that on the uh, the Facebook page too, too, just to, so I can refresh the fact that this is still happening. Last thing here, iTunes reason ratings. Good to get those. If you like our show, or if you tolerate our show, or if you're just really bored and want to go <laughs> on iTunes, you can search for our show while on iTunes. Search for out now, there and Abe. Give us a star rating and review. That'd be great. Yeah, thank you so much in advance. Mm-hmm. All right, let's um, let's move on now, guys. Let's get to uh, let's get to some know everybody. Where each week we ask each other a question, two tries at the tone for the podcast. We're going to get to know everybody. That was good. Wasn't bad. I felt it. I felt the bass. <laughs> felt the bass you felt it in the uh, in the in the forest. In my cans, in my cans, on my ears. Oh, in the ears. Yeah, yeah the it's, old ear cans. The ear cans, exactly. If you had a question for us this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do have a question for you guys. Have you guys ever been to Singapore? And if so, have you enjoyed it? Or was it too short of a trip, too long of a trip? I have not been to Singapore. I am also in that camp. That said, I'm very happy that I've spe- I know how to spell Singapore really easily. Not that I couldn't spell it before, but I've never had to- I haven't had to hesitate since seeing this movie, which I like. 
Okay, thanks for that. Just saying, <laughs> just point that out. Hey, it's like when Matthew McConaughey was really popular. I'm like, wow, now I really that's, know how to spell McConaughey. Like, I still can't spell McConaughey. <laughs> I'm very good at spelling McConaughey now. David, Michael, uh, have you guys ever been to Singapore? The, the airport count? I'm going to say, uh, in terms of answering the question directly, yes, but if you haven't explored it, then no? Yeah, right. So, uh, no, I've been on uh, the airport and the Singapore Airlines before, but never actually explored it. Where well, we- you, you tried to tell that it was on Singapore Airlines, which I think kind of gives you some flavor of the country. No. <laughs> okay. Where were, you, where were you laying over to? That's my question. Uh, I think I was on my way or back from Taiwan. Gotcha. Okay. See, if the question had been, have you been to Taiwan? I think the answer would have been yes for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Definitely yes. Yeah. Michael? Yes, I have been to Singapore, but... <laughs> we saved the best for last on this question. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, like, probably over ten years ago. So I vaguely remember it, but... um. There is a scene in this movie that I can vividly remember, basically. Uh, I don't know if I can talk about it now or if you want me to talk oh, about we'll, it. We'll save it. We'll save All it. All right, then. Just, I will just remember it, that we're yes. calling back to it when you're talking about it. <laughs> okay. we'll, we'll tease that for the listeners that are waiting for games, knowing that they have something else in store for them. This is true. Mm-hmm. All right. I have a question for you guys. Yes. What's a film that you felt spoke to you? Hmm spoke to me hmm. like in what way well i ask this because i do know like crazy rich agents is obviously playing to a demographic that's not often represented in film and i know there's a lot of people that have even people that even uh people that are critics that have written about that very fact that the the film regardless of their opinion on it as a whole it certainly has aspects to it that spoke to them in some way so here's if there's other sure. films out there that have spoke to you in some way i think that there are but I, I mean, so I for example, say, yeah, go ahead, David. Uh, I mean, uh, most of mine that speak to me are animated features. They're okay. like, like Coco or The Incredibles. They all speak to me in different ways. And like Lion King spoke to me. Hunchback of Notre Dame right. spoke to me, you know. I mean, there's just powerful messages within these kind of like underdog or not even underdog, but you know, it's just, uh, they're beautiful. Mulan spoke to me. You know? I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, would, I would say uh, if if in animation, Paranorman is a film that spoke to me. Um, I I love that movie, and for a variety of reasons. Other yeah. ones I can think of, just so I uh, just to provide some answers out there on my own. Um, the Sandlot uh, is one that I uh, I grew up watching and like relating to in various ways. Um, Abe, we've talked about dope a lot in this podcast. I can't say yeah. I directly connect to certain aspects of it, but there are other aspects that I do like. I responded to, which is why I liked it so much. For uh, sure. Um, and this is the the movie, not the substance? Yes, not the substance. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of both. We can be ambiguous. We're on radio. There are aspects of Do the Right Thing that I that registered right. with me quite well. And, uh, and honestly, The Graduate is a film that spoke to me, especially when I was coming out of college. You uh, you married somebody and then you didn't know what to do after you guys got married? No, but the not knowing what to do part, that's certainly a, a factor yeah, in there. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I, I love that ending of, of The Graduate. Um, you know, whenever... I guess movies do speak to me, but on terms of, I think uh, the example that kind of first came to mind was Bo Burnham's Eighth Grade, where it was a little bit more. Uh, like I'm, I'm not a, a female, and I, I don't go to eighth grade at this time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Surprise. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, it's just the way that uh, characters are written. If it's written, quote unquote, more real, um, I certainly 
can empathize a lot more. I mean, even something like uh, Richard Linklater's Boyhood, you know, that yeah. wasn't my life. But at the same time, like, I definitely have been in situations uh, like um, uh, the characters and also the parents. You know, I, I'm not a parent, but whenever you have to have tough conversations or, you know, when you're trying to just do the right thing with everything that's falling apart around you. Yeah, I, I can certainly relate to those things. So I, I enjoy those aspects of it. But David, I love your answer of animated because um, I, I often think that animated kind of gets overlooked for more of like a, a, a family audience. But there's a lot of themes in there. Like Bao was, it spoke to me heavily. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So Not just because it was like this Asian American culture thing, but I mean, it was just yeah, super and, much of like and, empty nesting. And very ironic that there's no dialogue in that. So for it to speak to you, it transcends dialogue. Yeah. That's a, so that's, that, that's a beautiful uh, thing about animation in general, that it can, regardless if there is dialogue or not, there are a variety of ways it can connect with you yeah. on such an emotional level without you know yeah. the, the aid of certain aspects you might associate with film. Right. And that's yeah. what I love about animation, period, is that it's such a visual medium that they try to use that to their you know advantage and they're not relying on words all the time which is that also speaks to like you know because we're not hearing something we're or hearing audio or uh, dialogue we are often hearing you know audio of some kind whether you know in the, in the sound in the scoring <laughs> or what have you and i do think that's especially with pixar michael giacchino has been a big you know contributor in that realm as far as the, the oh, things yeah. he's contributed you know throughout the both the shorts and the the feature length films uh not that he's the only you know composer with it i mean randy newman is obviously a big one or uh, thomas thomas yeah. newman for that matter they're not brothers um but... what <laughs> what wait 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 <laughs> michael do you uh, have anything you want to add yeah michael well i was going to say um a more focused answer as opposed to David's, uh, just up because, mm-hmm. you know, that, just that whole sense of adventure and, um, like, like Michael Giacchino's, uh, score just resonates with me so much. And it's just like, oh my gosh, I, and I see myself and like, I saw myself a little bit in Russell when I was like mm-hmm. growing up. I was like, oh my gosh, that's like one of the first like major, um, I guess characters and represent and for representation is, as far as it goes to being Asian and everything, without having to pander, I guess, or or um, make make specific reference to it. Yeah, make specific reference to it, or or play up to the Hollywood cliches of Asian Asianness. Yeah, if that makes any sense. No, it does. It does. Sure. Yeah, it does. By the oh, way, yeah. be- because I was worried, I did look up if Thomas Newman was related to Randy Newman, even though that's a very common last and? name. No, not at all. <laughs> of course not. They don't. Yeah, I was like, I don't think. I just want about... the, I just want the podcast records to know that this show is airtight when it comes to authenticity and accuracy. Also, you know, our... We do our research here. <laughs> that's people. right. Yeah. But one of them is uh, related to Dave Newman, right? Perhaps. Of of Wendy's. Dude, that's, Dave, that's, Dave, that's Dave Thomas. I got Thomas Newman on the mind. Sorry. Rest in peace, Dave Thomas. He did, he did not score any of those commercials. How dare you? You don't know that. Maybe he played piano in the background or something. Maybe he did. I just assume old white men play piano now. That's what I But do. he hated that's... those square patties. Yes. Speaking uh, of fast food, when, when Abe, you brought up at eighth grade, I figured because you love chicken nuggets. Yeah, that was so. Th- that scene, uh, there's a scene in eighth grade which we won't spoil too much, but essentially they're they're eating chicken nuggets. I questioned how did he get all those sauces? Some of those sauces are like 
only to some specific parts of the United States. Let's be real, Abe. This is the kind of kid that would probably collect those sauces. <laughs> and then when they did the Rick and Morty Szechuan sauce. I, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Good question. Yeah, let's get to our let's get to our poll question. Um, each week on out now we do uh, we do have we've been having a poll uh, where we put two movies against each other um, in a somewhat of a of a death match of sorts. I've now invalidated the poll because we're only talking about Crazy Rich Asians. But my idea here this week was to put a romantic comedy against a a film about a missing person. Um, so I'm, <laughs> obviously I can't change the poll, but I'm still happy with the poll because of both how random it was and uh, because I just liked putting these two movies against each other with nearly no connection except for the fact that they were both released in 2009. Um, the yep. thing about the thing about this is if you vote for one, you save that film, but voting for but the other film gets erased from history. Uh, so, you know, the timelines change in various ways. So with all that preamble out, let me say the poll, the two movies I put against each other this week was 500 Days of Summer versus the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So before we get to our listeners, wh- wh- where would you guys fall between these two movies? I never saw the girl with the dragon tattoo, so I would pick Wait. 500 Days of Summer. Which one? Which girl with the dragon the, tattoo? The Numi orig- Rapace. The original girl with the dragon yeah, tattoo. Yeah, Numi Rapace's uh, dragon tattoo. Okay, I never saw that one. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so it sounds like you guys for. are both saving... Uh, uh, what was the other one? 500, 500. Seems more yeah. like an abstain. I would have to say that. <laughs> you could abstain, I think. <laughs> you could abstain, I guess. <laughs> no, that movie needs to disappear from our lives. <laughs> Thank you for that fervent reaction. Abe, what a you? weird pull. <laughs> yeah. Abe, where were you on this? I'm also saving 500 Days of Summer. All right. So I thought about this, too, and I did ultimately go with 500 Days of Summer. Um, I, I think the, there's things to preserve there as far as performances and the movie, and I like Mark. I mean... Some people do not seem to like these amazing Spider-Man movies, but I I like them and I look forward to more of Mark Mark what Mark Webb does. Uh, mm-hmm. Although he had one movie last year that I really didn't like. Uh, he had two movies last year. One I really didn't like. One I did like quite a bit. That was Gifted. That was good. Okay. <laughs> uh, That's with yeah. Captain America. Yeah, with Captain yeah Captain America Captain America and, um, and Jenny Slate and Jenny Slate uh, who plays what what's she in Zootopia? I'm trying to think of all these names of characters. The Lamb. Zootopia. The Lamb. What's the Lamb's name? That's right, David. What's the Lamb's I, name? I forget. Mary, right? Oh, she's like the the mayor's uh, assistant. Assistant. Yeah. Yeah, I forget. Okay, I forget. Like Bell or something. And Bellwether. Uh, Bellwether, yeah. there we go. Oh, Bellwether. We did it, yeah. teamwork. Teamwork, exactly. And uh, Octavia Spencer, <laughs> and uh, I'm still going with the cast of Gifted. Um, and uh, who else is in it? Uh, oh, yeah, Toon Man from the, from the Speed movies, the guy with the car that that Keanu Reeves jumps out of to the bus. He's in that movie. Oh, that guy with the with the Jaguar. Yeah, Glenn, I don't know his name. Glenn Plummer, that's his name. There you go. <laughs> this is Character important. Actor Glenn. Character actor Glenn Plummer, he's good at it. Anyway, that's enough about Gifted. <laughs> let me let me click the poll here to see what the results are. Let me click and see. Oh, wow. Huh. Mindslide? Very close. No, very close. 47% 500 Days of Summer. 53% The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. They're saving the girl with the dragon tattoo? Like, like I might have been the deciding vote. Well, not really. I, I, I tried to save I it, because that was my yeah. of summer. So, girl with the dragon tattoo sli- slides into the wind here. Just Do they realize it. it's not it's the original one? I put up Maybe. a... There's a poster. The poster? There's a poster. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, and and I, I've, I've made it very clear. Although some the, people don't The read. thing is, like our, our audience has kind of gone the opposite direction of what we've gone for the past three weeks in a row. 
People do like that movie a lot. I don't dislike that. I, I like the uh, that movie more than I like David Fincher's Girl. Through, yeah, I like it about the same. Sure. Um, <laughs> but, but still, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I am. Well, I'm curious. I was. I'm curious how it's because well, they're so different too. I guess that's a factor also as far as why right. it's so close because it's such a compared to some of our other polls where there were more understandable distances between the films. This is like, yeah, I like both of these. Which do I choose? But doesn't yeah. matter now because Five Hundred Days of Summer is now being erased from existence. I've never even heard of that movie. I don't, I don't know, know what you're talking about. I don't know what we're talking about either. I'm putting it on the list in our. Uh... Who's even? I mean, we should make a movie called that, but I don't think that they've made one before. No, let's make a movie called Three Hundred Days of Summer. It'll be tighter. <laughs> Makes sense, right? It'll actually focus on one year. Mm-hmm. All right, less than a year. You'll be less than a year. Yeah, less than a year. Yeah. All right. Well, that's how you play. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody jumped right in on that one <laughs> all right let's move on let's get to let's get some out of quickies each week out man we always we talk about there's quickies trademark i was happy with that yeah i moved through it all right abe what have you seen recently i watched carol uh the uh, the movie from a couple of years ago i think it's on amazon prime streaming so i was just checking it out because um, I remember that the movie looks good, and yeah, I guess it still does. There's actually some interesting things that I picked up on it the second time watching it. I was going to say, just, I wasn't sure if you've seen it before. The, yeah. Well, the graininess of some of the, the shots versus some of the cleanness of some of the shots, but I'm also a big fan of just the way that, I forget the director's name. Todd Haynes. Todd Haynes, the way that he shoots some of the, um, those those flyby moments when either uh, 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 Galadriel. Blanchett? Kate Blanchett is like driving through a car and kind of just looking through the face in the crowd kind of thing. There's there's like some soft lens stuff that he does with the movie. So, you know, it still looks good. The, the, the story doesn't hold up as well the second time watching it, but, you know, it's fine if you haven't seen it. I, I would recommend watching it. That's what you got? That's what I got. All right. Uh, David, what other films have you seen recently? Uh, I'm really behind. I finally saw Fallout, Mission Impossible. Oh, okay. Oh, you, you saw oh, the best movie of the summer. Oh, <laughs> Uh, is it? I don't know. Is it? What do you think? What do you think? Tell us. I mean, I mean, I I was entertained. I really enjoyed the action, but I think I was uh, there was one thing that annoyed me was the voice of the guy who gives the little. Uh, this is this is your mission. Should you choose to accept it? So <laughs> so while I was watching the movie, he's like, why did they go with this guy? And I did, I totally didn't hear what the mission was. So I was really confused the whole movie. <laughs> but just... it was. Uh, yeah, because they totally went with a different direction in, like, the voice guy. It used to be like a, this is your mission, should you, you know, it was like a really yeah. cool, like, I think Teddy Newton was one of the voices when, uh, probably in the when film. Brad Bird came on, yeah, from Ghost Protocol, and, and this one was like, uh, oh, this is your mission, should you choose it? It's like, it just really bothered me. It was, the doofus? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a super do. <laughs> no, it wasn't like that crazy, but it just right. was. It was too uh, comedic sitcom guy, and I don't know. It just bothered me, so I didn't really pay okay. attention to that. But action-wise, I mean, knowing that Tom Cruise did most of all those stunts was really impressive. This is kind of what filmmaking is was all about in the past. So it, it's it's really impressive. Anna and I finally got around to seeing it a second time, and I just don't think it's amazing how much is accomplished in this movie. Yeah, uh, I was able to get past the 30 seconds of voiceover at the very beginning of this movie, unlike David, I guess. So I, can, I can enjoy the other two and a half hours worth of action and excitement. Well, <laughs> but, you know, it's like if you don't, if you don't know what they're what the heck they're trying to do, it's kind of weird. Well, what I think is, I mean, 
not to speak too much about Fallout, but what I like about that opening is how I think it's purposely ridiculous because it lays out everything you everything. need to know about the plot <laughs> is right there. And it's so over the top as far as here's a list of things that are problems and this is what you need to do to solve it. It's just so like, yeah, whatever. Like, here's your, here's your get plutonium back. That's all you need to know. That's that's the whole mission. But it's like, I'm going to lay out all these crazy details that just throw you into such a like a such a kerfuffle about like what kinds of things entailed here, what kind of disasters are at, at stake. What the, what the new bad guys are calling themselves. It's like, it's just going into like extreme detail. I think it, it seems like a like almost a parody of itself at that point with the, with the amount of information it's providing you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you couldn't get over it, so you, you, found, yourself, uh-huh, yeah. you found yourself mm-hmm. lost. All right, <laughs> but it was still entertaining. I, still, I didn't fall asleep or anything. It was great. Glad Always yeah. a good thing to ride the cover. Didn't fall asleep. The sound, the sound did cut out though, but fortunately, it was the one moment in the film that was subtitled. <laughs> oh really? Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Well, at, yeah. Least, at least it was subtitled. Yeah, at least I was able to read it. I yeah. I appreciated the score more this time, the second time around. By the way, too, I was uh, more impressed mm-hmm. by it. I think I, I was too mu- I was too into like I was t- thinking too much about the the dark nightedness of it with like all the kind of Hans Zimmery type sounds that Lauren Balfa was using. This time around, though, I was like, I really like the score. It's a lot of good moments in here. Anyway, did you hear? <clears throat> Anything else, David? Um, no. Okay, Michael, how about you? What have you seen recently? Uh, this may sound a little cheesy, but I saw To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Okay. On That's Netflix. not cheesy at all. That's perfectly <laughs> themed. It is, isn't it? But, um, yeah, this is, um, a typical, uh, what is that? An hour and a half romantic comedy, and it's, even though it's by the numbers, I just, I don't know what, it, what about it, what, what, what it, what about, um, what this film is um, that I like about it so much, but it just it just made me laugh, and I, I felt there's there's so many charming things about it, like uh, Londor, uh, Lana Condor's character is so much. Um, it's just it's very lovely. Mm. Well, good. That's on uh, that's on Netflix now. So, on yeah. Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, ex American Alex Billington brought that up last week, so <laughs> he also he also <laughs> <seen it. laughs> former American, former yeah. American Alex Billington. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't stop getting old with me <laughs> but that's i'm happy to make fun of him on the podcast as well <laughs> but, all right um i've seen a few things that i want to make note of first uh two newish thing. well one's not even well by the time this comes out i guess the embargo's up operation finale um this is the upcoming uh, period drama based off real life sorry oscar isaac and ben kingsley oscar isaac ben kingsley plays um uh, Eichmann, a head Nazi from World War II that was very much responsible for the Holocaust as far as arranging uh, the final solution. Mm-hmm. Um, Oscar Isaac plays one of the many men that was uh, hired to, or not hired, that was assigned to track him down. He, he's part of a um, Israeli defense. Um, it's okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's the kind of film where I feel like an older audience will appreciate like seeing the story being told. But as like as a film in general, it's just fairly forgettable, which is a shame. Not entirely unexpected since it comes out next week on the right or this coming week on the like the last week of August. Where it's like, yeah, this is where it settles. Um, ben Kingsley's fine. Oscar Isaac's fine. Nick Kroll's in it for some reason, not being funny. So it's like, why'd you hire Nick Kroll? Um, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it must have been right after he did Love or Loving. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, he's in loving. He's better in loving though. They give him a better role. Uh, but yeah. yeah, like yeah, it's it's just an okay movie. It's the kind of my best comparison is you have like you have like Jaws where all the other shark movies. Jaws. Let me let me keep going. You have Jaws where all the other shark movies are like yeah, that's not. I mean, that's not Jaws. It's fine, I guess. It's a shark movie. Then you have something mm-hmm. like you have something like Munich, which is like yeah, that's like the best like. Jews get revenge type oh, movie. Okay, You're and this Spielberg. is like, yeah, well, they're both they, they both happen to be Spielberg, but he happened to direct yeah. both the best shark movie and the best Jews getting revenge movie. So it's like, all right, everything else kind of pales in comparison, and this just is like, all right, yeah, it, it's fine. It's just nothing special. Um, yeah, that comes out. Um, I also watched Summer of '84. Have you guys heard of this movie? I have. I have. Yeah, this is from the directors of Turbo Kid, which I never actually did see. I never saw that either. That was like the BMX bike thing. It's on it's on Netflix also. Yeah, yeah. it's made by it's this apocalyptic. Yeah. yeah, it's it's made by this trio of directors. And now they did this movie called Summer of '84, which hit Sundance earlier this year. I think it was at South by Southwest as well. And now it's uh, you can find it on streaming and in some select theaters. Um, it's about a group of kids that suspect their neighbor of being a serial killer. That plot may sound familiar. Um, if you yeah, it was done in The Simpsons. If you ha- yeah, of course, The Simpsons did it. Um, <laughs> if you haven't guessed already, it's set in 1984. And I also thought this was just okay. I, I've heard some people that really love this film. Others have been like a little lukewarm on it. I'm I've, that, I've heard people more in your camp. I'm more in that, like, I'm more in that okay. camp. Yeah, where it's yeah. because like in it, you know, at a time like this, we're getting a lot of nostalgic things, specifically something like Stranger Things or it. Yeah, exactly. It's right. it's like uh, you know, you have something like this where it's like okay, it's taking like the rear window type plot and melding that with the nostalgic nature of 1984, and <laughs> I. There's a like there's a nice synth score that goes through it, which is like okay that's nice I guess as far as you know 80s but sure. the main thing I add is it just doesn't like add anything to the table here like it I couldn't say the kids were super like like Stranger Things I felt like I instantly got in it's like okay cool Lucas great that's a cool kid oh D- yeah Dustin, that's my dude Dustin cool cool kid this is like all right there's a bunch of kids they swear a lot good for them I guess they're acting like kids <laughs> but didn't have much going for it. There, I will say, the third act gets a little wild in a way that I appreciated. Uh, but the film getting there was like, okay, I see what you're doing. It's not, it's not doing much like in the filmmaking either. Either it's there's some neat stuff with colors, I guess. But like in ter- like something like uh, was it um, Ty West, um, who who's made he made a House of the Devil, which like has this very specific look that calls to a period. This movie yeah. doesn't really have much of that. It feels pretty straightforward as far as its filmmaking goes. So I was just kind of like, all right. So, yeah, I was kind of lukewarm with Summer 84, which is a shame. I wanted to like it. I, I saw, yeah, that's a shame. Uh, friend of the show, Jason Coleman, he gave it like five stars. He loved this movie. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll, I'm going to check this out sooner than I thought I would. Right. But, yeah, just kind of. Yeah, like, so I've definitely heard the buzz around it. And um, I think even maybe even Jimmy brought it up maybe late last year or something like that. Um, but. Yeah, I, the reactions to it have just been lukewarm, like what you're saying. I know there's appreciation out there. There's the, there, it does stuff, the, the stuff that it does well, it does quite well. I just wish it was better, I guess. Sure, but there's other movies that I think hit on that nostalgic vibe. Things that I'm thinking about is uh, The Final Girls or something like that. Final Girls, where... or like these, there's even a few uh, Netflix ones that have come out fairly recently that I think yeah. hit on. Well, Stranger Things, obviously, is another, but that's a TV show. Sure, so it's different. right. Um, or even like you know, because you know I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I do think the I think I, you and I are both in that boat. But I do think the stuff involving oh. like the kids, I do think that stuff works well for what it's trying to do for like the the coming of age stuff. I think that stuff works well. Sure. 
Yeah, I know. Blasphemous, though. We're the two guys that aren't a huge fan of It or A Quiet Place, apparently. But it's still... <laughs> we're those guys. It wasn't our jam, and we weren't, we weren't huge on uh, on uh, Hereditary, either. I You weren't. I, I loved Hereditary. Oh, you loved it? Oh, yeah. my bad. All right, well, I didn't like it that much. Yeah, yeah it's okay. Abe can be wrong every now and then. That's fine. I mean, that's that's okay. Like, that's... This is not true. <laughs> I'm wrong a lot of the time. <laughs> I want to bring up a few more things. I want I want to bring up a few more things before we move on. Um, yes. I re, Anna and I I rewatched Predators of Anna uh, this weekend. I haven't watched Predators the 2010 uh, with 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 yeah, tough yeah. with tough guy Adrian Brody. Um, yeah. You know, I feel like I've been giving this movie a harder time than I than it deserves because uh, I used to say that this movie's pretty good until Lawrence Fishburne decides to kill it for 20 minutes and then they go back to having fun again. That's this the time this time I watched it. He didn't bother me so much. I was kind of into his, like, crazy man Bill Duke-type performance that he gives, like, midway through the film. Before. And he's not in it as long as I used to think. I used to think he was, like, drowning this film, but he's only in it for, like, ten minutes before he kind of goes mm-hmm. away. So, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed rewatching this. I rewatched this because Predator, The Predator is coming, obviously. We're going to be doing a Predator 2 commentary next month. Finally. Uh, and we'll be, no, I know, yeah, we've, we've been teasing that since the show started. Since the inception of the show. So, so like, seven years. <laughs> but, um, yeah. um and I will say the opening of this movie. We watched this twice because Anna hadn't seen it. Uh, we watched it. We watched the opening twice because it starts with Adrian Brody like waking up mid free fall, and then like his parachute opens and he just crashes onto the ground and then goes slam to title Predators, which is such a cool opening for that movie. And I was like, we need to watch that again. So we watched it twice in a row because it was fun. <laughs> it's a fun you opening. Um, the last two things I watched Hulk, the 2003 Hulk, the Ang Lee Hulk, because I hadn't watched mm-hmm. that in full since seeing it in theaters in 2003 i have, oh the, ex- I have the exact same thoughts i had at it then it's okay <laughs> like, i think that, i think the the direction's quite ambitious but the story's like too long and and eric Bana, so for some reason a guy's talented him is not like he's just kind of a wet blanket the whole movie it's like all right yeah yeah okay and on and i we also watch kung fu yoga uh, but Jackie, I haven't heard of it. This is a Jackie Chan film that made like $250 million, not in the United States. Um, That's a lot of money. <laughs> it is a lot of money, but yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it's a Jackie Chan, it's a, it's a Chinese Indian co-production, uh, which I think you can guess two things happen in this movie. If you know, if you know where I'm going with this, because mm. it stars Jackie Chan and it's a co-production with India. So, okay, so they're going to mm. travel to India? Well, th- just think, think I think of- there's a lot more song and dance. <laughs> thank- okay, yeah, there you uh, go. It. There you got now it. you're on the right track. So there's a lot of martial arts, and it ends with a big Bollywood dance number. That sounds actually really interesting. It does sound interesting, doesn't it? I was- wait, no, no, wait, no, 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 don't ruin my thoughts. I'm not, I'm not ruining your thoughts. I think the movie's fine. It's fun enough. As far as you can watch this on Netflix, and it's only like an hour and forty five minutes. Like it's fun. Uh, I, I, there's a lot of CG because it. It seems like it's a movie that's very expensive, but expensive in a way where it's because we had so much CG. But, like, it stars Jackie Chan as, like, an Indiana Jones type in modern day. And he has, like, a team of people that work with him, and they're, like, fighting for the... They're, like... It's like Twister, as far as there's the good team of archaeologists versus the bad team of archaeologists, that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? But it's really silly, because, again, it is a a Chinese-Indian co-production. And so there's a lot of things that make it feel like a Bollywood melodrama, but also, like, a cheesy jackie chan martial arts flick at the same time so you get some fight sequences but you also get lots of bright colors and cool things like that and there's a big car chase in dubai that's really fun to watch <laughs> even though okay. it's again very heavily cg so yeah, i just want to watch this it's on netflix 
Netflix, okay. Netflix is where it at. It's at really. That's that's what I'm saying. Oh yeah, where well, I mean, it's gonna come up for the next segment too. Oh okay, it is. Yeah, you're right. Well, let's move on. <laughs> that. That's not how quickies. Yeah. All right. Let's get to our trailer talk. We talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week. When we thought of it, when it's coming out, what have you? And this week we are talking the trailer for Roma. This is the upcoming Alfonso Cuarón film, um, which he has directed, written, co-edited, co-photographed, and co-produced. Uh, so it's a very personal project for Alfonso right. Cuarón. And Abe, you mentioned Netflix, and that is because, yes, it is a film that will be released both in theaters and on Netflix worldwide. Um, the film, um, it's about a year in the life of a middle-class family in Mexico City in the early 1970s. And... Uh, Michael, what did you think of the trailer for Roma? Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Uh, I thought it was very interesting, to say the least. Um, like you said, um, I wasn't sure what I was um, watching at first because um, I guess the language barrier that, that's there or lack thereof. But um, it's got that all that traditional uh, cinematography that I love from um, Alfonso Cuaron, well, not cinematography, but the way he shoots his films and oh, the sure. fact that it's black and white, it, it adds a new layer that I, I'm very interested in because I, I kind of like seeing black and white because it's, it's just not a medium that's used very often. And it, it just, it feels like you're seeing the film in a sort of a different era. So I, yeah, I'm kind of seeing it, interested in seeing it. And it's on, going to be on Netflix. So that's what I'm excited about. I don't have to leave. I don't have to leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> David, David, how about you? I I really like the visual of it, but I, I again, yeah, like Michael, I'm not. I wasn't really quite sure what I was looking at, what the movie's about. You know, there was things I could pull out of it that I I don't want to make assumptions of what it's about, but I had a feeling maybe it's about this one lady who. I guess I don't know. Maybe she's a maid. I don't. I don't really know, but. Uh, or a caretaker or a nanny and she has a family that loves her. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but it looks beautiful and, and I love just, just about all everything that Alfonso has done. So I'm mm -hmm. looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. I loved everything about this trailer. I think that there was a really uh, simple and, and uh, uh, kind of haunting score that was uh, playing throughout it as well. The visuals look amazing. I mean, obviously it's in black and white, but it, it looks like it's been shot on digital because there's like Christmas in the way that the images look. But uh, as far as the story goes, yeah, it looks like some sort of uh, tumultuous time in Mexico City, uh, maybe some some sort of uh, internal uprising or whatever the case is. But um, I'm excited. I mean, you mentioned much more more of, I guess, Alfonso Cuarón's hands-onness mm -hmm. in terms of all the other departments that he's that he's uh, working on other than just writing and directing, um, and I'm a big fan of his. So from what I can tell, it looks like there's obviously going to be some of his um, trademarks, which are some long uh, long takes, and can't wait to can't wait to check it out. I, I hope that I can check it out in theaters. What I like about this, what I like about a lot of directors that come off of something big is when they actually take the time to do something much smaller. Mm -hmm. um, uh, not the best example I can think of, but like something like Doug Lyman, who you know did like Edge of Tomorrow among other blockbusters, and he did this little movie called The Wall um, yeah. last year, which I really liked with uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and uh, John Cena. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so you know, you have Al Alfonso Cuarón, who's come off of a Harry Potter film, Children of Men, and Gravity, which are and Gravity was you know that was a 
like a Academy Award winning. It was an Academy Award, but it was all it got a Best Director Oscar. But it was you know years in the making to make that film, and it's you know they're giant projects that he's done, and certainly ambitious and unique in their own way. And here is something like Roma, which not to say it's not unique in its own way. It's certainly you know it's going to be a personal story, but like it's it has such a inherently smaller feel than something like a space disaster or a wizard's journey or you know the apocalypse by children of men and so and so you have something like this where it's you know this small story set in the 70s yet what i'm seeing visually there's it looks like i mean i'm not gonna say it's a giant special effect spectacular but it seems like there's a lot of grandeur in some of the shots and just some of the the way he's framing some of these shots just from this trailer where yeah. know, there's like a wide shot with like somebody in a cannon being shot out. There's a shot of what looks like some kind of like revolutionary scene taking place and just like yeah. the scope of all these people. So it's like I, I look forward to seeing a movie like this where it's clearly Koran scaring, yeah, sc- scaling down. Scaring. Scaring. He's scaring children. That's what he's doing. When yeah. he sees scaling down as, as far as kind of ambition for the project, but not give, not, you know, not giving way to the things he's, he's, um he's been handling as far as, his productions go and what he can accomplish yeah. within you know the frame of a camera well he made my favorite harry potter so maybe he is carrying the children could be <laughs> <laughs> maybe he brought his friend guillermo on set one day he scared him <laughs> scared, he scared him good <laughs> all right uh roma <laughs> like that's a that's a very specific callback it is um yeah. <laughs> he and alejandro they both showed up they are all there, you know, yeah. the trio. They wore or... that. They wore that costume where all three heads of theirs go through one sweater. <laughs> That's just the, some of the fun times I assume they have together. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> um, some people have no idea what we're talking about. Others do, and they're happy. Um, they know what we're talking about. Exactly. All right. Uh, Roma arrives, I believe, on Netflix uh, this December, December fourteenth. Is when it'll be streaming worldwide. I believe it's going to premiere at the Venice Film Festival and probably like at TIFF and other things in the the times leading up to that but yeah uh december 14th is when i think we will all have a chance to see the film and with that i think that's time for us to move on now to our main review for crazy rich asians March. we've been dating for over a year now and i think it's about time people met my beautiful girlfriend what about us taking an adventure east like queens singapore colin's wedding don't you want to be my family I hardly know anything about them. Every time I bring them up, it changes the subject. Maybe his parents are poor and he has to send them money. Let's take a bag and get you checked into first class. Nick, we can't afford this. So your family is rich? We're comfortable. That is exactly what a super rich person would say. I want money. 1.2 million. That's what I want. The Nick you're dating is Nick Young? Yeah, you guys know them or something? Hells yeah. They're just the biggest developers in all of Singapore. That's what I Damn, Rachel. It's like the Asian bachelor. These people aren't just rich. They're crazy rich. You really should have told me that you're like the Prince William of Asia. That's ridiculous. Much more of a Harry. (laughs) Mom, this is Rachel Chu. She just thinks you're some, like, unrefined banana. No, no, no. Uh, Those are a few fingers. Yellow on the outside, white on the inside. Do something crazy! I chose to raise a family. For me, it was a privilege. But for you, you may think it's old-fashioned. Don't you want Nick to be happy? I know you're not what Nick needs. She's like trying to play a game of chicken with me, thinking I'm going to swerve like a chicken. But you can't swerve. you going to roll up and be like, bok, bok, bitch. OK, maybe like not as aggressive. I met a girl. I fell in love, and I want to marry her. You're Nicholas Young. You're untouchable. But Rachel's not. Have you prepped Rachel to face the wolves? You know I'm back. 
like I never left. I really admire you. It takes guts coming all the way over here, facing Nick's family. Another day, another breath. I know this much. You will never be enough. Yo, it's about time someone stood up to Auntie Eleanor. Well, you, not me. Oh, God. She can't know I was over here. I feel glorious, glorious. Got a chance to stop I was born for this, born for this. Ever since I can remember, my family has been my whole life. Rachel, Rachel. If Nick chose me, he would lose his family. And if he chose his family... He might spend the rest of his life resenting you. You nasty. You got a nasty. You got nastier. That should have been some of the trailer for Crazy Rich Asians. It's been 25 years since the Joy Luck Club, the last major Hollywood studio film to feature a majority Asian cast. Rather than take the money and run with Netflix, director John M. Chu and writer of the novel Crazy Rich Asians, Kevin Kwan, wanted to stick with Warner Brothers for the sake of a wide release to show just what a film like this is capable of doing. The result is a romantic comedy that features both familiar elements of other films like it. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'll say that again because I wrote my sentence weird. The result is a romantic comedy that features both familiar elements of other films like it, genuinely featuring predominantly white actors for each of the lead roles, and plenty of culturally specific choices such as the location, family-related ideals, class-based ideas, and the nature of being of a certain descent that was raised in America. With the film already scoring rave reviews and a solid box office success, what say you, David, about Crazy Rich Asians? What? Why me first? <laughs> I, rolled, well, why I, not? I flipped a coin. <laughs> and you went with D. Mm-hmm. Okay. I really, really enjoyed this movie. I lo- I really loved it. I'm one of the people who, when I saw the trailer, I was kind of like, really? I don't know if I'm going to like this. It, it almost seemed like they were showing the whole movie in the, in the trailer, which they kind of did. And I'm glad when I finally watched the movie, I completely forgot the trailer because there's a lot of moments in that w- that was a lot stronger because I forgot about the trailer. And, you know, there's something about, like, you know, when you have Aquafina's performances, like, damn, that's the Asian Bachelor, you know. Uh, it's funnier in context of the film than just seeing it on tr- on a trailer, because I think I have my own prejudgments of what crazy rich Asians would be like, and none of that was seen on screen. And so it was kind of a weird, uh, I don't know, it was just kind of weird. But when I saw the movie in the way it was made and delivered and performed and told i i just i completely fell in love with it so kudos to john m chu because i wasn't a fan of gi joe retaliation <laughs> <laughs> so i was really scared i was like oh my gosh he's and then jam came out I'm like uh i don't know i don't know but i'm, I'm glad it's it's really good for me i, I love it michael lee what say you i had to say i was uh, it exceeded my expectations. Uh, I, I usually have low expectations for romantic comedies, but, uh, when I saw that this was going to be about, well, Asians and haven't mostly Asian cast, I was, it got me a little bit more excited. And when I finally saw it, it was just like, wow, they, they really touched on things that, um, that few other films or few other romantic comedies ever have. I think that mostly has to do with the fact that it is an Asian driven narrative, but it still has, uh, all these universal themes that everyone can relate to. But, um, I was telling my friends about this. There's all these 
uh, dichotomies that they, uh, other films that never explored before, like, um, between the ideas of identity with Asian and Asian American and, uh, class, it, it, it touches on things that I, I never thought a film would uh, address before. So I was, that, that, that's what got me hooked. Mm-hmm. And the, and the songs, oh my gosh, the song got, got me, uh, got me weepy. <laughs> I'll have to admit that right now. Yeah, some good covers in here for sure. The the the, what, the wedding one for sure. The wedding one that that was so beautifully shot, by the way. I I had to, who uh, I can't even remember who did the cinematography for that, but uh, John M. Chu really uh, really. Van Vanja Sernjul is the cinematographer. There you go. Okay, there you go. Well, that was that was a beautiful scene. That was a beautiful moment that made me cry. Oh, that's so. nice. Good to hear. <laughs> There's no I'll shame admit, in admitting it. I'll, I'll admit that right now. <laughs> yeah. Abe, how about you? I love this movie, and I think that it came from the the aspect of sure, you know, I, I'm on the boat of not watching too many trailers, as Aaron knows. Um, I've, I've tended to start watching even fewer trailers now, just probably the teaser and maybe even the first one, the first real trailer. But I think. Uh, the, Sort of like what Michael was saying, there was a lot of expectations of it being relatively low, and that's just because it's a it's a it's a romantic comedy type formula where we've seen so many of them. Um, and if you've seen one, you've sort of seen all of them. But as I watched the movie, I was glad that there were a lot of twists and turns on the romantic comedy genre that uh, a lot of ones don't really explore. I mean, the, when I was watching this movie, I sort of thought of my best friend's wedding, which is um, one where. Uh, it doesn't really work out for Julia Roberts. Spoilers at the end. Um, That's why I like but the movie quite a bit. Exactly, yeah, I, I like it too, and I also like how they they sing uh, uh, sing a little prayer for you uh, with uh, with lobster hands. But um, That's such a specific a... reference. But go on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good it's a good moment in the movie. <laughs> and uh, was it Dolmet Moroni or Dolmet McDermott? Dolmet Moroni. It's Dermot, right? It's it's Dermot Moroni. Yes. Yeah, there you go. I, I, the DM guys always uh, confuse me a little bit. But um, that, that's the movie I thought of uh, when I was watching this one, where it was, it, it, it's beautifully shot, like the way that Michael was saying, and also I think the storyline, I'll talk about the, the immersiveness of the Asian American culture and also the Asian culture in a second, but I think the storyline, again, there's, um, there's, there's elements of it that I just wasn't truly expecting to see. Um, you know, specifically, I guess one example would be just how long she's depressed for you kind of get a sense for that in other movies, but in this one, they 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 play it and it plays very very well on the screen. Um, and then the the closing end is so strong. But with all that being said, I will say that the direction from John Chu is fantastic. I think the his his budget of like thirty million dollars, it looks fantastic on the screen. Like there's it looks much more expensive than that. The way that they kind of travel by map. And the way that he uses like old, old looking maps and the way that he also uses like old Chinese songs and then kind of updates them as well. Um, there's a lot of greatness to that. Um, sure, there's a lot of controversy to that. I'm sure we're going to get to, uh, as well. I didn't really, I, I'm on the fence on some of them, but, um, one of the ones that I kind of wanted to point out was, yeah, there's, sure, there's a lot of like light skinned Asians in here versus like maybe some dark skinned Asians. Um, but, We'll get to that. Um, we'll get to that say, later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and kind of like, uh, uh, lastly, is um, I really, really enjoyed um, Michelle Yeoh's performance. I'm going to say it right now. I mean, she des- definitely deserves to get a second look. 
for best supporting actress come award season. Um, I think it's that strong of a performance, but um, I really, really enjoyed this movie. And I think with the right audience, uh, you're going to get a lot out of it because I saw it with a bunch of people and it wasn't a full theater, but half the audience was Asian. The other half was black and it was great. I mean, the, the wedding sequence that Michael was talking about, people were fanning themselves just because they're getting emotional about it. And so I'm not going to lie, man. I got, I had got some, uh, some, some wet eyes too. And when a movie can hit me on that level, regardless of whether the cast is like full Asian or whatever the case is, um, it wins merit points for me. I will say that the film opened with $35 million last weekend or like after the five day total, it made $25 million this weekend, which is a point five, 5.7 drop percent drop, yeah. which is very low. That's, that's a very low drop in between weeks. It's very impressive. Um, so the definitely film, wasn't front loaded, So it was good. Yeah. So the film is a hit. I mean, it's already a hit. It's going to keep making money because it's only the second week of release, um, but good for it. Uh, Cause I, yeah, I'm also a fan of this film. Um, and I, I'll continue the, the the kind of praise for John M. Chu. I think he handles this really well. And well, David, you pointed out G.I. Joe. That's not what I look to when I think of John M. Chu. I think of him as the guy that made Step Up Two and Step Up Three D. Step Up Three D. Yeah, being the, <laughs> yeah being, he's being he's the great best, at the being the yeah best. these music videos and stuff. Yeah, and I, I've said right. yeah, we can't forget the uh, Justin Bieber movie too. The first one, Never Say Never. It's fine. Never Say Never. It's fine. <laughs> and I didn't see Believe, but but um. And I, I talked about this when G.I. Joe was coming out, though, Abe, that I think because, because it's the step-up movies that made me think, yeah, sure, why wouldn't he do a good action movie? He can right. he can film well-choreographed sequences, bring a lot of flavor and color to it. That's what you need in an action movie. I wouldn't say G.I. Joe Retaliations is an amazing example of that. But at the same time, I've been very curious where his career would lead to because I am a big fan of step-up 3D specifically. I think that movie's the best of that franchise, a franchise I generally like a lot um, mm-hmm. for for accomplishing what it's supposed to accomplish. Um, and this feels like a very natural step for him to take as far as bringing something lively and colorful and fun to a romantic comedy, which has a plot that, yes, has familiar ideas that I've seen in other romantic comedies, but also does speak, yes, to a... A very specific uh, culture, very specific, you know, people and where they are, where they're coming from and what have you. I think there's a lot of those elements that really play well here, which is both a success of the direction and a success of the writing. I think if my the main issue I might have with this movie is that I just don't think it's that funny. Um, if that makes sense, I don't I didn't go and think it's going to be this laugh out this laugh right or whatnot. I do think there are characters that are fun in this movie. There's some that are obviously like very much comedic support. I wouldn't necessarily point to Ken Jeong because I think he's kind of okay here. But I think Aquafina gets some yeah. laughs. Uh, I think uh, Ronnie Ronnie Cheng, Ronnie uh, Cheng. gets some good laughs. Th- everything involving him and his family cracked me up. I think all that stuff was really funny. Um, <laughs> the stuff that was more funny was how true it is. Yeah, that's I, yeah. I read I, that registered to me as far as what yeah. he, what's going on there. And I think yeah. uh, Nico Santos, who I think people mostly know from a uh, Superstore, I think he's very funny as well as the uh, second cousin. Um, right. but no, I, it's not, yeah exactly um but i no i i like this movie quite a bit as far i i've in the time since seeing it um i've i think i'm appreciating a lot more about it even if i didn't think it was 
one that like entertained me on like a humorous level, but I think as far as a story level and a, dra- a dramatic level goes, I think there's a lot here that really works. And obviously, the filmmaking is pretty spectacular. I mean, it's a travelogue for Singapore easily. I mean, as far as showing you oh, these kind sure. of great sites you want to visit, these these this uh, what's it like this, food vendors, this, the, the, food, yeah, the food, yeah. yeah, the food vendors, the uh, night market. Yeah, that's, yeah. going exactly. back to what I was going to talk about. That's that, a, that's it's the one thing I vividly remember. So it's the, you know all the smells yeah. and everything. Yeah. So like those aspects, I mean, those come out really well. But I think the, I mean, you're pointing out Michelle Yeoh in this day, but yeah, she's terrific in this movie. I think Constance Wu is very good in this too. And, Agreed. And I, yeah. I think that comes from how strong the writing is to not just present you with characters that are a certain type, and there are people in this movie that are a certain type, and that's what's required of them. But those characters, it really gets a lot across in there. It makes so much more out of Eleanor than to make be, making her just a, like a domineering mother. There's layers to her. It doesn't mean it doesn't try to make her unlikable. It tries to make her assertive and caring and protective, and in ways that you can register just based off the opening sequence of this film alone. Meanwhile, you have Constance Wu, who's yeah, she's not from Asia, uh, but she you know she has a, a a separate upbringing. And the more you learn about her, the more you can appreciate what she is going through. Obviously, you're sympathetic to her to begin with, but there's more there. And I appreciate that. I appreciate a lot of how it kind of brought these two characters together, how it introduced the rest of these characters, regardless of how impactful they were on the plot, because there's a lot of people here, and it's a good thing this movie's making money, because they've already announced the sequel, so there's they'll adapt the other books, which I assume will do more with the other family members. Um, <laughs> Is that how the book series goes? There's two more books. Yeah, so I there's, mean, yeah. there's three books yeah, so entirely. And, like the and it, book, it spans like the family? And the yeah, I assume so, right? Okay. I mean, the movie, yeah, so, the movie, so, the movie ends with a bit of a cliffhangery thing involving one of the sure. other relatives. So, but uh, well, keep going. I just want to wrap up my thought. I, I, I do like this movie. I do think there's a lot going on here. I think there's a lot of subversive elements that I really enjoyed, as far as what John Chu's doing in the direction, uh, especially mm-hmm. with the soundtrack. I mean, we there's a lot of there's a lot of like what Cantonese covers of certain songs in here. There's a specifically Mandarin. Mandarin. Is it Mandarin? Mandarin. It's Mandarin. I've heard both. Okay. I I read both. You're wrong. I wasn't quite sure. But if you're telling me it's it's Mandarin, it's Mandarin. Um, Mandarin. Mandarin. Fair enough. Yeah. But there's there's two moments in particular, soundtrack moments, that I thought were really affecting. Um, And one was the use of a Coldplay song, which I think makes a lot of sense in a kind of... Been listening to that song on repeat for like a week. In a lot of a taking it back kind of way. it still makes me cry. Which I I thought was very... (laughs) I think was really well done. And there's... What was the second song? There's a... I'm going to say, there's a use of Ride of the Valkyries that I think is all kinds of subversive. Where you... The way that's set up, where you have... You have, oh, this is during the bachelor. Party. You have the yeah, the bachelor party yeah. where, where there where there's a group of Asian men on helicopters being transported to a barge that says bachelor party on it, and you have Ride of the Valkyries playing. That's such a wonderful reversal of where that you know that music's best known for, as far as Americans bombing Asia, like in Apocalypse Now. Yeah. It's like that's so clever, and there's a lot of yeah. that throughout this movie, and so that's why I really like this. That's why I like really like what they're trying to do with this. Glad to hear that. By the way, David, what was your uh, how did the book series go? Uh no, there's three books. Is what okay. is basically yeah. it. Yeah, and, there's uh, it's and a China, trilogy of books. There's China Rich Girlfriend and Rich People Problems. Those are the other titles. Got it. Movie. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what I, what I really appreciate is like I haven't actually read the book from uh, the Crazy Rich Asians book, but I heard that there's so much in this movie that is changed from the original story. Okay. And when I read about what was changed, I, it makes me really appreciate what John and Chu and the writers did a lot more because they actually made them more um like you could believe what's going on it's it's actually more like you could relate to them a lot more there was uh 
like the mahjong scene at the end yeah. that was not in the books and that was such a powerful moment so like can you imagine just like just creating the scene for them to have and it's one of it's like one of everyone's favorite scenes in the whole movie and yet yeah. it wasn't really there let me so, let, let me tell you something about that mahjong scene by the way i think there's there's a lot of writing out there as far as like explaining the mahjong scene i feel like because I didn't have this problem. I feel like anybody that's just watching a film and kind of feeling the emotion of the scene doesn't need to know all the particular rules of modern. No, yeah, like, I, I agree. Like, I agree. I mean, yeah. I think, so you're right that there have been writings about it, but I don't know how to play Mahjong, but uh, I'm familiar with the game. But um, well, again, when I'm watching that scene, I don't need to know the particulars about it to know what's going on. Probably because they also show a, a very similar thing that Constance Wu's character does when you first meet Constance Wu's character uh-huh. um, about game theory, right? So it's like, you know that she's very smart and you know what this where this is going. I think what's more, more affecting is what she's saying during all of it. It's almost oh, like, but, it's almost as yeah. if you pay attention to the movie, you'll understand the movie, Abe. Yeah. Well, basically the game itself is, it's matching what she's saying. She's right. saying that, right. like, you know, because she had, she had the winning hand, right. but she passed it up for her. Yeah. She, get, she let Eleanor take the winning hand and, when Eleanor sees that she had a winning hand afterwards, it's like, oh, she's actually like more giving than I gave her credit for. I know. It's like it daggered <laughs> through my heart right there. I was like, boom. Yeah. Especially, yeah. especially when her when she gives the reasoning. Like, I I love the line that she says of of how things are going to unfold. And I was like, see, this yeah. is the selfless woman that that is amazing. By the way, we, we were uh, talking about the cast. Henry Golding is so charismatic in this movie, and I I really like the way that they wrote him of just being, you know. He's he's more grounded than the rest of his cousins and whatever else. But um, uh, there's a scene where he's got to get away from from uh, uh, I want to say Jin Yang, but uh, the actor's name is um, Jimmy O Yang. Jimmy, Jimmy O Yang, yeah. Oh, Ber- oh Bernard yeah. Tai. Bernard Tai, yeah. So you where mean, you mean they're trying to escape the bachelor party? Exactly. It gets a little bit too wild for them because Colin uh, Collins. Bat, uh, Colin, yeah. What's his name? Uh, Colin. Yeah. His his best friend is uh was it Colin? It's Colin 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 yeah so Ball and Colin's bachelor party exactly. bachelor See, party a, 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 you, a, you don't watch Silicon Valley which is where Jimmy O Yang is like best known from he that's plays. where he's best known yeah, yeah. That's, but I've been listening to him on like Mark Maron's podcast and everything else so he's he's got a very funny story and it's very great but um you know back to Henry Golding for a second there there was a really nice uh, moment where he's talking to his best friend and they're kind of just like sitting there and he's just like. I met a girl, I fell in love, and I want to marry her. It's simple as that. It's not like overly complicated, and I know that things get complicated, but yeah, I mean, I, I like I like the way that they have him kind of being this um, charming guy, and he's not he's not a jerk. There's nothing, there's no subversiveness in his uh, motives or whatever the case is. Yeah. What, so- what, what I what I appreciate about that scene is that it's just two best friends talking about something that they would actually talk about in real life you know so many of these movies romantic comedies they have conversations that are just just don't happen in normal day-to-day conversations and yeah what they had yeah. was very very re- real and that's a lot of this movie was very very real so and i think that's what it that's what does it for most most people that, that are watching it i have i don't have anything against henry golding i think he's fine like I, I appreciate That's what he, I appreciate fair. what he's bringing to it. I think, I mean, obviously the story's it's it's Rachel's story, so it's like it's not about Nick. So I get that yeah, there's, yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll definitely get to Rachel in a second. There's here. not a ton for him to do. And so I kept thinking, I kept thinking about um, guess who's coming to dinner? Um, where Sidney Poitier no. plays a very yeah. similar character as far as he's perfect. Like he's a perfect guy. There's nothing inherently wrong with him. 
the same time, but the difference is Henry Golding, you know, he's he's not Sidney Poitier, so he's he's just not he's not he's not he's not the <laughs> best. He's call not, him he's not, Mr. Toast. He's not the best actor. I'm not gonna say he's bad in this movie. But I'm just like, yeah, yeah all right, he's no, just doing I, his it, job. He's he's a, he seems like a nice fellow, and that's he's doing his job and he's a nice guy. And I think what I appreciated about it was that again, he 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 stands on his own principles too. I mean, especially when there's like a turn in which people are are kind of being rude to him and his dinner guest. Uh, he. he you know he feels he feels uh, also rejected. Yeah, I mean, but I, I uh, think I think if I see this movie again, I'll probably have more of a chance to kind of concentrate on some of on some, some, some of the other aspects, like him, for example. So it's like, yeah, maybe I'll appreciate more of how he's underplaying certain aspects. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, there's there's really nothing about him. There's no like there's no conflict within him beyond you know you know dating Rachel versus his approval of his mother. Sure. So and yeah. and you know they're much more the focus of this movie and yeah. Michelle Yeoh's acting circles around everybody. So it's like all right, he's fine. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, well let's talk let's talk about Constance Wu real quick. Uh, Michael, what was uh, what was your take on Constance Wu's character? Uh and, and I want to talk about acting. I want to talk um yeah, I, I want to talk about her and uh Jim Chan's character actually sure. a little later on, but um in regards to Rachel and Constance Wu, uh I really enjoyed it especially watching it from um there's just so there were so many moments uh in the film that showed her vulnerabilities i guess and then how she grew um and learned from that from those point uh moments in, t- uh, in the film especially uh when she's trying to be uh well no, not trying to be especially um when she's trying to impress go get ready to impress Nick's parents, she she goes into this discussion about uh, with her mom about uh, not being Asian enough, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I liked about that scene is I, I could kind of relate to that because not kind of relate to that, but I could I could understand and uh, respect those um, that that moment because I can see how um, how Asian people like actual from from the native land they may see uh asian americans because right there there is that distance um and how they perceive you because like oh you know we grew up this way and you know this is you know western is not just not not the way it is this is our tradition and this is how it goes and it's been working for us basically and that that's going back to what you say about um having us sympathize with Michelle, um, Eleanor is, it, we get to see how we can, we, we can sympathize with both sides, basically. They, they, they do a beautiful job of showing, um, that both sides have a valid point and have a valid reason for, uh, having Nick, basically, not having Nick, but, um, this is what we think is best for Nick. And while I want, <laughs> While I do sympathize more with Rachel, it's like, yeah, I can understand what Eleanor is saying because that's she's seen stuff and she's made her own sacrifices too. So, that, um, but I really like uh, Jimmy Chan's um, Astrid. Astrid, she, she, there was not, there was nothing to hate her about. There, even though she's living this rich and posh lifestyle, it's she never really lets that. Um, define her i guess mm-hmm. she she um carries her own weight and basically and she's willing to you know make her own sacrifices too they don't really um 
give time as much as screen time to that, obviously, because this is Nick and uh, Rachel's story. But she, I, I really like what they did with her character and how uh, they left something open for a sequel, I guess. Well, yeah, they, <laughs> I mean, they give her the most to do beyond you know the main, you know, uh, Rachel, Nick, and Eleanor. Like they give her a, a lot to work with as far as a, a supporting character, and it, yeah. it and it kind of it reflects back on Rachel and Nick as far as like a counter story of a relationship that's going in a different direction. Oh I, yeah, that's and, true. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, th- and I thought that was clever. I thought that was a clever way to kind of, you know, in a film that's very busy, I think they, they use that time well to not just have, you know, fun times and Rachel, Nick, Eleanor drama, but also, you know, delve, delve into an entirely different relationship. I, I think it, For it, sure. it works yeah. well. David, did you have thoughts on uh, Constance Wu or Rachel Chu? Hubba hubba. enough said they're great i love i love constance's uh she's very natural in of her in how she acts she's like charming she's very likable and that's you know she's not like kind of nobody here is like really overacting and i kind of appreciate except for like you know ken jong when and that but family, but him, they, very... they kind of put him in the background early yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. And it's very, um, but I've, I've seen people like his character as well. Not to mm-hmm. the same way, but, you know, variations of it. So, but yeah, most of the, most of the core cast was very just down to grounded in, in right. how they act. And I think she performed her role, uh, beautifully. And yeah. same, same with Gemma Chan as well. Aaron, did, did you have thoughts on Constance? I mean, I, th- I think she's very good in the film. I I, yeah. I watch uh, Anna and I. We are fans of uh, Fresh Off the Boat, which uh, stars her right. and Randall Park, among others. Yeah, because yeah. I, I definitely have thoughts on that too. I'll, I'll bring a circle back to Fresh Off the Boat, which I and I I mean I think that's a good show for both being a comedy as well as being one that handles a lot of things that this show handles or this movie this movie handles. Um, as far as uh, the the separation between being immigrants, being in America, living in America, being raised in America, like there's things like that i mean obviously it's kind of a reversal of this film um but here yeah she gets to strike out on her own or at least you know with a different ensemble cast and she works well i mean she plays she plays well as the kind of lead role of romantic comedy and it works well she plays well against michelle yo who's you know very good in this movie she has a she has good chemistry with with henry golding as much as i've you know been kind of okay on henry Golding, i I think they, they work well together the level of emotion that she has to be raised to as the film turns its way towards certain aspects that could break her off from being a part of this or not. I, I think it, it's handled well. So yeah, it's a, it's a well-rounded lead performance for a movie like this. Yeah, I was blown away. I mean, because I've never seen Fresh of the Boat. I've never seen a full episode. I've seen clips of it, right? So I've, I'm, I'm not really aware of Constance Wu's acting range. And in here, I was really shocked that they take her from, you know, confident person into person who's all of a sudden, uh, severely less confident, and then back to this this tiger mom daughter thing. Whereas, like you know, I, I'm totally on board with I'm like on her side kind of thing. So I was really shocked by just uh, the range that she has to display, like what you were just saying, Aaron, uh, from her character. So I I, I was a fan. Um, I do have to say that there was uh, what you call it. Um, I, I wonder if that's like the the strong writing or just the acting in general, but. Um, I've got questions for you guys regarding Michael. You're kind of touching on it. I'm kind of getting more into like the quote unquote controversial stuff, but um, the ABC ness of it. And I, I actually really enjoyed that aspect of the movie, the ABCs versus um, 
you know, mainland China or, or uh, Chinese Singapore or Ex- Chinese Malaysia. Explain that more to me. What does that mean? ABC is American born <laughs> Chinese. So if you're born here, but your parents are born elsewhere, mm-hmm. um, you grew up kind of like in the mix of both worlds. You're, you know the customs, but you speak more English and you're a little bit more American than you are Chinese, proper Chinese, I should say. So when she goes back and everyone's kind of, um, you know, they've got this old money vibe, um, and they're they're kind of treating her like, oh, you know, your American mentality is that you want to you you have your own ambitions and you want to succeed, and that's not what we traditionally do. We kind of the women give up their ambitions to raise families and whatever else. So I was glad that they kind of touched upon like, hey, by the way, you know, f you, I'm I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do because I know my 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 culture and I know my ethnicity and I know where my, my mom comes from and I'm proud of it. And I'm also going to lead my own life. I do like that. I mean, you met, and I, I want to let you guys talk. You guys can probably speak more to this than I might be able to, but I, I do like that. The concept of like, you know, the women gives, gives up or what have you. They're still rightfully successful on their own. Right. Like Michelle, like Eleanor, I mean, she may just, you know, she may be the wife of a very wealthy person, but she's still like a person that commands a family and can do all variety of things or what have you. Or Gemma Chan's character, she's very much, mm-hmm. she's, she's a, a philanthropist slash fashionista, like she has all kinds of things going on. So it's like they, they're they certainly taking charge of what they can do with this vast amount of money they seem to have and in ways that are either helpful or entrepreneurial in some fashion, as opposed to just being, you know, kind of wealthy spouses yeah. Well. yeah. Do you have some thoughts on? Do you guys have thoughts on that that first line of controversy? The what? I guess the, the, the thoughts of the ABCness. Oh, I mean, I I really appreciated that storyline. So like, when I see reviews about like, oh, this is a typical rom com, like, shut your mouth. Yeah. This is not a typical rom com at all. Uh, you know, this is a part of my kind of upbringing of being trapped in the middle. Uh, and it's actually something that my parents have had to struggle understanding on from their side of it because you know they're always like trying to hook hook me up with the girls that are from <laughs> from asia and i'm like mom you know like i'm i'm american it's a very different culture i just it's just not a right fit and they just don't understand but i think if they watch this movie you know they they see what uh constant woos constant woos mom says to her is like you're different and i think that might actually speak to them because she says it in chinese as well which is like how we speak, you know, like my parents are, they speak Chinese and then sometimes they just break into English. Right. Same here. And so like, that's, that's one reason why fresh off the boat never worked for me. It was like, it just wasn't believable because they were all just speaking English all the time, except for the crazy grandma. How far have you watched fresh off the boat? I'm curious. I I gave up because I, because I, (laughs) I, I would, I would say that the series is certainly it's worked in those elements more as it's went along. Like it's more, sure. It's more interesting now thematically than it was when it just started as a basic comedy about this thing. Okay. Which, right. which I think comes with the territory when you're an ABC sitcom, but as the seasons have gone deeper and the writers have found themselves more adept at how they want to adapt this story. I think they're actually doing right. some interesting things now. That's I, I, I think, I think they're having more courage now that it's a success. That so. helps. Yeah. Cause you, got, cause you yeah. can actually do, you can do something like that as opposed to having to, yeah, you know, they were very scared to actually go full on and, and see how it would be received. Right. Also, so, David, okay. David, are you, are you saying that parents just don't understand? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I had know. to save that for like two minutes. <laughs> 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 But yeah, so I back to the whole uh, the whole ABC thing. I mean, uh, yeah, I thought they handled it really well, and it's just yeah. 
it's not all everyone's ABC story, but this is one ABC story, and it's, right. like, it's refreshing to see one of it. This is coming to America in reverse. <laughs> yeah. Coming to Singapore. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, because he's rich and he doesn't want her to know that he's this royalty prince rich guy and uh, yeah. but it also wants... it also lends the um the, the the story to to rachel as the lead as opposed to akim uh, right as far as who right as far as who we're following in this and yeah no i see what you're saying right. and that actually is interesting to me and it's it's totally a rom-com it's not about like will he get the girl it's it's not that at all so it's it's really refreshing in that respect as well because yeah, like we mentioned, they, they we mentioned love each a, other we mentioned a wedding and it's yeah it's not about it's not a wedding between them like that's not the crux of this movie that's yeah, right. there's other things it's going like on. we we yeah we know they live love each other but like will will they stay together despite all the family stuff and that that's you know that's definitely a different side of things right Bio, do you have thoughts on uh, the ABCness? uh well I, what i thought about I'm going to just make it kind of short since you guys really addressed it, but, um, I've read, I've been reading a few pieces about this and a lot of them come to the agreement or come to the consensus that this film allows people who are caught in that sort of middleness of it all that they can accept the duality of being Asian and American and that it's okay. Um, I think that's uh, that's what's great about it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. And there's only one other country for that I really want to talk about, which is, I guess, quote unquote, the main one, which was, hey, this is not uh, an accurate portrayal of, of all Asian, the Asian American spectrum, <laughs> right? So it's like this is nah. this is not showing the regular Asians. This is really showing a, a specific class of it. And uh, I, I'd like to open the floor up to to all three of you guys, and I'm certainly happy to give my opinion as well, but. Um, did well, you guys have any thoughts on that? Abe. Hey, hey, <laughs> yeah. Do, do you remember how, like, the killer accomplished talking about all of Asia? Remember, remember how that was? Yeah, so I definitely have. Yeah, my thoughts kind of go in that direction, too, but I'll, I'll get to it. But I certainly would love to hear. Remember, um, remember how Old you know, Boy I, was about all of Asia? <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I'm making some specific examples. <laughs> no, no, I know, I know. You're, but, you're but, giving, like, specific examples of it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. It's just like a movie like this is not capable of handling every single aspect of Asian culture, just like Moana is not able to accomplish every single aspect of Pacific Islander culture, right. or Black Panther is not speaking about every you know every other African country that's not. Wait, Wakanda's not real. I know, right? <laughs> I just learned that the other day. It was crazy. My mind blew up. Or Slumdog Mill. Like, I mean, how many? Not every, one. One single. Someone singular film is not able to accomplish. You know, address every single aspects of what a, a third if not more of the entire population of the world i mean yeah. it's 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 a ridiculous ask for a movie what the movie yeah. can do is open the doors for many other movies that can approximate certain details about other cultures that happen to be asian into more movies make one movie a success you can open the door for many others that's what you yeah. want to see well yeah i was going to uh, talk about that too i was going to say that even though this is just one slice of the asian culture what this, do- what this movie does is act as a launchpad of sorts to having more films. So we can, we can see probably a Korean driven narrative maybe for a, in a mainstream film or not even that so much, but we can see an Asian actor just in as a, you know, as the lead without having to lean into the fact that he is Asian. So he's, he just happens to be Asian. So that's what I wanted to say. Yeah. The, the best thing I can think about something like this is how, 
rather than pull each other apart because my, my God, one, one movie wasn't this like 12 hour epic that covered every single country in yeah. Asia. It's, it's seeing something more like John M. Chu and like some of the other cat crew members and cast members buying out theaters for searching because they want to support another movie that happens to star, uh, star, star John Cho. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's the kind of thing you want to see people bonding and putting things together instead of pitting blind spotting and sorry to bother you against each other because they're two different black movies about Oakland. Maybe have a discussion about what those movies are separately and what there are t- together and go, you know, recommend that movie to the people that saw the other movie that got like put everything together and not make it. Such See, a... this is why Aaron's an honorary agent. <laughs> well, <it's> like, <laughs> he understands. He gets it. Well, it's like, that's what you want to see, right? You want to see a level, you want to see synergy, not divide. And yeah, at the time, in the time we're in where there's a lot more divide going on as far as how we conversate with each other, as opposed to finding the middle ground or, you know, dare understanding each other's side and certain things. Yeah. Like, that's what you got to see. And something like this, yeah. yeah, it opens the door to embrace nope, yeah, something sure. rather than, like, point out the flaws and some logic that you've decided to come up with. Right. And my point of view on it is, like, well, what kind of movie would you have wanted to see then? You know yeah, what I mean? Right, like, yeah. the, the question, The question that I would have to ask is, you know, if you if you knew that this movie, uh, a major movie studio movie, major motion picture studio movie with an all Asian cast, um, because people sometimes forget about Better Luck Tomorrow, directed by Justin Lin, which also had an all Asian cast. Um, but not was, a big studio, though. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, like, it was a, uh, an independent film. But, um, you know, like, what would you have wanted to see? And and so the flip side of that is also, by the way. Asia is a huge country made up of multiple countries. Uh, Asia yeah. is a huge continent made up of multiple countries. And within those countries, there's actually really, really good nuanced genre movies, like what Aaron was alluding to. You have Hong Kong with like this Gunkata stuff. But oh, yeah, but you also have Hong Kong movies made by Wong Kar Wai, which are fantastic love story movies. And they're very, very nuanced. And then you also go to Japan and you've got great movies there, movies that people haven't really seen before, like uh, Departures, which was like in 2007, which made me ball my eyes out. But I would speak, just like to speak, say speaking into that, it's like, yeah, there's yeah. movies that are made by individual countries, but seeing something like this come out of an, a major American, which is what I brought right. up in the in my reading to begin with, where they could have just went to Netflix and be like, yeah, we made a bunch of money, so we uh, can make this movie. This movie is and too Netflix, good for Netflix. But this is, the, this is the very point that they wanted to make. This is why this movie's already made $100 million worldwide, because people don't get to see movies like this. Specific people don't get to see movies like this. It's great that everybody can see this movie, but some, you know, yeah. having this specific group of panelists that I have with us today, having Michael and David on among you know other people that have already seen it, they don't get to see movies like this about people they can connect directly connect to in the same way I don't get to see movies like Black Panther Panther all the time that doesn't happen sure. too often and so it's so encouraging yeah. to see something like that that's coming not just from like you know a movie about chinese people from china but a movie from america made by a hollywood studio saying yeah let's spend 30 million dollars on a movie about asians that's called cra- that's so over the top it's called crazy rich asians let's put it all out there right in the title and let and see what people do and guess what they fucking showed up to see it like yeah they did yeah <laughs> david did you have thoughts on this on this controversy I was just going to say, yeah, yeah Abe. Because it, it just, we can cuss on this like, thing, Abe? I didn't know oh, that. Fuck yeah. like, Aaron was totally tearing into you, Abe. How dare you not get it? You know what How I, dare I, yeah. you know, you know what I say to people that don't want to bother with this movie? Better luck tomorrow. That's what I oh, say. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh getting beans. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, no, yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's great. It's fantastic. And I think that's the... This when I was watching this movie, like uh, it felt like a big screen movie, 
you know, sure. the graphics and yeah. the music and the how he just packaged this this story. It's a very it's a small story, but it's he made it huge, like in the way he delivered it. And I was like, wow, this is really like this could have been really just run of the mill mediocre, but like it's really something special. Like he he added flair to it. I and I yeah, go ahead. I, I just I really like that you brought up coming to America. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when we talked. Where was where was it last week with Black Clansman? Or, or maybe, about, uh, a couple or maybe, weeks ago. Maybe it was, couple... maybe it was blind spotting. Sorry. Well, yeah. that movie. It's a very black movie, and not just like because both it's a it's a big Hollywood movie that's both it's both has a big African opening, but also has things that black people know in America at that time, like the like the the uh, not the Jerry the what's it called not the Jerry Curl but the other the Soul Glow thing that Eric Soul Glow. Was, or <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. or like the appropriation of McDonald's to make McDowleys, which is like a thing that does <laughs> McDowell's, McDowell's which does which yeah. does happen like that is the thing that happens as far as taking like a brand and making it your own. And this yeah. is a movie that for Mike, what I can tell, despite it, you know, instead of being set in like the hood or the ghetto or the urban environments in New York or what have you or L.A. or wherever you are, it's set in Asia and it's about crazy rich Asians and it's taking it's taking things and putting that on display and yeah you're right David it is a big colorful movie it's a big fun wide open movie that has people that are flaunting their wealth I yeah. if anything I wish it went crazier with it as opposed to just showing the rich of it I think I wish it could go and I, I can only imagine what they'll do with like a sequel wherever that's supposed to go but I think, I think also, Bernard was pretty crazy yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, rocket launcher so, come on exactly. yeah. and also like going to international waters for a bachelor party by yeah. the way uh, one thing that they did show and and you we all caught it which was new money versus old money you know mm -hmm. ken jeong's new money status and they're so gaudy like they wear like gold chains and like gucci sweaters and whatever the case and then you get you know the old money of michelle yo kind of being a little more classical in her look um it, it's it's very there's a lot of nuance in here and so i agree with you guys that i think there were talks that maybe this might have gone to netflix and i was like that would have been a, a shame if it had just gone to netflix because only a select few people would have seen it and then it, it might not have gotten the uh, the the buzz and acclaim. I think if yeah. I think he would have. I think it still would have gotten a, a lot of eyeballs. But I, yeah, there's something. Uh, there's a movement when you can go to a movie theater and like share this experience with other people who aren't Asian. Yeah, you know, and I, I think that was what yeah. what was so special about this. Certainly for a movie like this, where yeah, it is a big audience reaction type movie, where because it is, I mean. I might have not found it particularly hilarious, but I do think there's a lot of people that will, you know, enjoy laughing along with everybody else watching this movie or enjoy the, you know, the the awe of certain wealth related scenes or the emotion found in like the wedding sequence or the Mahjong sequence or whatnot. Also, right. by the way, they they kept showing in whenever they're when they're in Singapore, when they kept showing that big thing, like the big. You know, even though it's called the big, like, it's not a skyscraper. I guess it's kind of a skyscraper, but it has, like, the big top on the It's the one with the, uh, the ship no, on it. The, the hotel? The ho is that a hotel? Yeah. It's they, a hotel. The one that was the very end of the movie? Yeah, that's what yep. I was going to say. They kept yeah, showing that yeah. hotel. as like, I can't wait for them to go here because this looks so interesting to me. And then, yeah, they finally get there at the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's a real hotel. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I just kept thinking, that's so that's such an interesting looking structure I'm seeing constantly in the background. And then they finally right. get yeah. there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to see the thing. Yeah. <laughs> So there's a lot of great stuff in this movie, I think, and it sounds like we're all kind of on the side of of we like it, we really enjoy it. It's yeah, like, yeah, I, I think yes. I think it's very likable. I think it's very worth recommending, and I think yeah. it's a great step forward if you want to see representation in a way where it's not about. I mean, it certainly is, you know, specifically about the culture being represented, but it's not as if 
it's I, it's not alienating in that way. For there, sure. There are things that obviously certain people will recognize more than others, but the themes, Michael, you said this, there are, there are a lot of universal things going on as far as how one relates to their parents or how somebody on the outside tries to fit in with the rest. Agreed. Like, there's things like that that speak to anybody, speak to any culture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and even the in-jokes, I think, are people would get it, you know, whether it's uh, talking about red envelopes and then or there was actually a really funny, like very, very blurb moment when they're doing all the texting where yeah. they have all the variations of the name Chew. And I just laughed out loud in my seat. I was like, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of ways to spell Chew. So, yeah. And yeah, there's a lot a lot of uh, different languages going on in the in the text. That's right. Too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't recognize those words, but I, I heard from a lot of people who were. Malaysian and sing and are, are from Singapore. There's like finally I'm seeing like a movie acknowledge my existence in yeah. just a text message and like that's that's the beauty of movies, you know. Yeah, it's like I something agree. so the details are there. That's what and that's what I appreciate. I also most. just want to very add quickly to the language part. You know, when they're ordering food at the night market, Henry Golding's going from Mandarin to Cantonese to I think Malay uh, and even to uh, back to English. So I mean, there's there's so much. In the in the way that they had shot this movie for other types of Asian people as well, you know, it's, it's not just like everyone's not just one yeah. gelatinous like you know group right. of Asians. So they use like the term "la" at the end uh, whenever they're describing some stuff in Malaysia yeah. and Singapore, and it's just like yeah, it's very it's, a lot of people will, will enjoy it uh, for various reasons. What is yeah. Although what, what does Nick Young do? He's a basketball it's, player. It's, it's, it's never addressed. Exactly. Nick Young is the name of an NBA player as well. Thank you. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't understand your sports jokes. <laughs> this isn't the Sub 640 podcast, Abe. <laughs> I think that he's just a. Uh, well, I mean, it seems as though he was he was done graduating from his master's studies in economics and like that, and just taking some time off, right? Oh, so he's a hitman. That's what you're saying. He's a hitman. Is that what is that what hitmen do? They, I, well, they go and study. If, if we don't know what they do, I assume they're a hitman. <laughs> Makes sense. He's not telling you. He's randomly shows up. Here's my other thing. A real question, not a stupid question like yeah. that one. I assume we'll get that in the next one. Crazy Rich to the Crazy Rich Agents to the Search for More Money Part Two. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's one. It's a thing. I okay. They've been going out for a year, right? Yeah, yeah. It, took, it okay. took it took one one sighting of them to like. All of the all of Singapore knew that they were dating each other. This they they know they were never seen before within the year that they've been going out at all ever. It's, uh, maybe <laughs> it was that specific like cafe. I don't oh know. no! <laughs> yeah, I don't know. radio radio maybe radio one radio one Asia. Yeah, they just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they finally like found that? Nick Young where he was. Well, yeah. That actually brings up a good point. It's just that a weird hole just... that I thought I found. It's like they've been going out for an entire year. Nobody's ever seen the incredibly successful and popular Henry Golding before. Well, they don't know it. Have that's Facebook, maybe. Yeah, the, the, that that goes back to the idea that we're it is a very. Um, this goes back to a culture that's been overlooked. So it's like, oh, they, the two, the Radio One Asia just happened to be there at the right time. Whereas, you know, she wasn't there at those other moments, basically what you're referring to. That's, I don't yeah, know. It's pretty lucky. But I guess, in, one, yeah. in a, but I an care. entire year, they're in New York. Yeah. It's very well, busy. This guy, he's well, popular. They don't, know. they don't know Nick New York. They do know Nick Young, though. He's, he's, everybody knows Nick Young. That's the whole movie. They know him, but maybe they don't know <laughs> that he's in New York. He's nobody in New York. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was trying to refer to. Exactly. But but and maybe he doesn't have social media because she's on Facebook, but he's not. Maybe 
This isn't about them. It's about the people that see him. That's what I'm saying. It's like if 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 he if Nick had a Facebook, then maybe people would see who Rachel was. Mm, I see what you're saying. And then like yeah. if 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 Nick's like if he was more um, if they knew about his family, that's what I was trying to refer to as well. Like, oh, he's much more of a public figure, but he's only a public figure to the Asian culture, maybe. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, yeah. I think he's more off he's more off the grid, I think. No, I, I get that. I get I get why I mean that would make sense for me if I was in his position. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be <laughs> making myself aware if I'm super you know, famous everywhere. But Radio One Asia, it's not limited to just Singapore. Like people in America in that text chain that's going on, it's not it doesn't just immediately go to Asia. It's all over the it's all over the city. They'll explain uh, it in the next one. Yeah, okay, fine. I, I never heard of Radio One Asia. I've never heard of one either. Well, you're, never, heard, so... you're not a crazy rich Asian. <laughs> no, so getting back to Sick the Sick burn, time. man. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'm a normal Asian, regular poor Asian. Yeah. David, you uh David, you said early on that this wasn't uh, when you were thinking of the term "crazy rotation." This kind of wasn't what you were thinking of. What 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 were you thinking of? Well, you know, there was a, there's a thing where it's like, okay, this is finally a movie that is showing representation, and I think a lot of people might have had the maybe had the same confusion as I did: is is it Asian American or is it Asian? And it definitely is Asian when you just like if you read the book, then yeah, for sure you know. But I had no idea what the book was really about, and and so I, I had a lot of a lot of uh, other contacts who are like they're still like really dogging the movie, having not seen it because they think it's just a poor representation of Asians. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's that's a you know that's too bad because it it, I, it really is more of a Chinese story. Let's just put it out there. It's uh, so like, I think a lot of other Asians will feel. Like, eh, this is not for me, but I liked it. You know, they're 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 still gonna say they're they're it's a good movie, but they're gonna they're gonna preface it by saying this doesn't represent me. But da 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 da. And I've seen that kind of a lot actually from other Asian friends of mine. Yeah. And so, but yeah, so I think that was like kind of the stigma that I had before going in, and you know, just seeing a big poster like we're underrepresented. And then bam, crazy rich Asians, you know, right. like, is this what, is this what we want as our first outing? And, but after seeing the movie, it was like, you know what? That was perfect. It's a home run. I'll, like, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say that, I mean, beyond speaking about the, the quality of the film, because I did speak about the, the nature of not tearing each other down. I, I am, I can be empathetic to the idea that it's not necessarily telling your personal story. At the I just, at the same time, you got, it's, Movies just don't work that way as far as you get what you want the second you get it and there's nothing yeah, to complain about no, it. You have to take and, the steps have yeah. to be taken. And it's not a fault yeah. of your own or the people that made this film. It's just, it's just a fault of the right. system. But the system yeah. it doesn't correct overnight. <laughs> like that's that's where no, we're exactly. at. Right? And and I think what the you're, to your point, I think, you know, the first time, you know, there was movies about uh, all black casts, you know, it wasn't about them being crazy or rich or it was just them being them. And I think that's what a lot of Asian Americans we're probably looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's that's about. It. So, yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah, it but yeah, it's certainly coming from. A, totally makes sense. And you know, from a you know something like I mean, I'm sorry that this is the go-to thing, but something like Better Luck Tomorrow, or I don't know, The Debut, or other like indie. Oh wow, Dante Bosco. I can think of. I can, I have yeah. I have some things I can think of. <laughs> are you giving Are you giving away uh, you know game questions here? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. No, my game is very separate from this. Uh, but 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 I mean. 
those are you know they're all small independent films and they've certainly they found a yeah. way to bridge their gap and what have you just like a, a variety of unique voices that come from all over the place if sir i mean what is it uh, searching is from uh, uh i believe a middle eastern uh, director and uh, writer and director. yeah yeah I, I mean there's there's so many different ways and stars and you know an asian lead i mean there's uh, an asian american lead there's so many different ways to find you know a bridge to to go over a gap do something you can to put a certain side out there that you don't generally see and yeah it's a shame that doesn't happen in mainstream cinema as often as you know it should or it could but you got things just have to they have to work themselves out sometimes and as much as we can champion the idea of hey this one did it it'll be better to keep championing it so it doesn't get lost in the shuffle again right here's a fun thing to say um let's see what happened in the in the nineties? Um, in the in between, like Batman films, and before we got to X Men, you had Steel, Blank Man, Blade, Spawn. You had all these black superhero movies, but guess what? Just now we got Black Panther this year. It's like it's weird how these things just come and go. Like there's right. a time where you want to make something good, or think of the number of female superhero movies, like Catwoman and Elektra. These are bad movies. I understand that, but no, absolutely. But like yeah, it's like, too. and now they've gone away for a long time, and just now you're kind of getting Val Batman and the Wasp. You get it back next year of Captain Amer- Captain Marvel. It's Captain like Marvel. somehow right. like these things ebb and flow in a weird way sometimes. I know. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I mean. The the other thing that I thought about in terms of like Asian American cinema or just Asian cinema is like the late nineties when all of a sudden you had Rush Hour and then and then Blue Throw Up and Four had Jet Li in it and then there was this huge wave of like, oh well, Asian let's let's import well, yeah, like, everything uh, that we've done from Hong Kong and mm-hmm. wherever else back to the States here. And all I don't know how you guys felt, Michael and David, but I was like, Yeah, I've seen all these before. It's not really that interesting to see it from an American perspective. It's actually much better done in Hong Kong or wherever the case right. is. Right. No, I, I totally agree with that because, like, the only thing I could reference about that is uh, Romeo Must Die, and it's like, uh, you know, I I, I kind of like more um, the, where it comes from Hong Kong. Basically, mm-hmm. it, it has more authenticity to it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, could say it. I was just—you can think of something like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which you know Ang Lee made. It's a Chinese film, and it's you know it's a wuxia film, but it came out. And nothing really like it was a that movie. People forget that movie was huge. That movie made a ton of money in the U.S. Yeah. too. It made it's more in the U.S. Movie. It is a great, it's a brilliant movie. But it made more in the U.S. than China. Like it was a huge thing in America. People love. Yeah, they were they were just yawning over there. About yeah, they it. were. Like, oh. Well, yeah, they were yawning because they didn't like Chow Yun Fat's accents. Like they're like, it doesn't sound like that. That's well, to be like fair, that. yeah, his his Mandarin wasn't as good. Yeah. But it's like, right. But but the no like nothing got taken from that except for like right. the like like what Miramax imported Hero and some of the uh, the Zhang Yimou films. It's like that was right. it. That was like that was the impact it, it, it had. Well, here, here's here's the problem with this: that the narrative of all those movies being imported and the success of those movies as well mm-hmm. is that it continues the narrative that Asians are still foreign, mm-hmm. and that's the problem. We didn't, as Asian Americans, we didn't want more Asians in film. We wanted more Asian Americans in film. Yeah, and that's the huge difference. So, Crazy Rich Asians is an Asian American kind of story, like going back to Asia. It's and. So I and that's that's why that movie was like a lot of people were like ah, we don't want that to be the way we come into the cinema but uh, but it, it, you know at the same time it was it's a, still a great movie well given the and, perspective of the film too from Rachel's perspective that that I yeah think puts it over the yeah. top. 
But also, right. and I mean, in addition to that, that's why it's it's good to see the success so far of searching. It, it's only in a few theaters this week, but it made a good per theater average. It goes wide next right. week, and I can only hope that it you know is also very successful. Maybe not. I mean, right. it's, a, it's a much lower budget film, so the, the cost ratio yeah. is not going to be huge if it doesn't make a hundred million dollars. <laughs> but at the same time, that is a film that happens to star an Asian American lead, as opposed to it's about an Asian American lead. Right. The movie you watch, Mike. The uh, to all the to all the boys I loved before. That the movies happens to be about Asian American leads, right? It's not specifically about the fact right. that they're because they're half, right? Like John, what's his name? Um, is it John uh, Corbett? Is he like the lead? John Corbett's the father. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's so they they never make a they they do make little allusions to the the culture, the Korean culture, but it it's never overtly like a, a plot point, a plot device, I guess. And that's yeah. yeah, that speaks to what you're saying, David. Exactly, I I hear exactly what you're saying as far as it doesn't need to be about. It doesn't need to beat out Asians as far as this is what China's like and the you know in the past or whatever. It's it's more right. about approximating. Hey, we could have actors from all over that happen to be in this thing, and that's that's a good way to look at it. There you go. Yeah, and people, you know, we say that it's oh, it's twenty five years since Joyla Club. People are ignoring Mulan for being a predominantly Asian cast, despite you know Eddie Murphy. And Miguel Ferrer, but it was, it was <laughs> the, rest of the, the rest of the cast was Asian, and Asian. Was, I think that was huge too. It was for sure, and I, I mean, I'm not trying to discount Mulan. No, 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 not you. I know you're not. I know you're not. I, I... just like the media in general, like seems to overlook that movie as like being you know, what it was. But I think, that, right. I mean, the, I think the point of the Joy Luck Club is that it, you know, it is a modern set movie as opposed Ooh. to a movie set. And it's live action. And it's yeah, live action. Live, yeah. Live action. Right. Yeah. But, but even that one, you know, I mean, if, if I don't know why people, <laughs> this is like, uh, came back to the controversy. Of, I mean, I can't relate to the Joy Luck Club. Yeah. N- neither can I. So, I yeah. can't remember. That was like when I was eight. So that's, that's the thing too. Is like, I don't, that that's that speaks to the generational gap, I guess, sure. or, and the lack of representation that the yeah. streams have had. Yeah. All I remember is dog fart. All I remember is like her getting betrothed to like an eight year old like uh, king or prince or whatever the case is. I'm happy to hear Abe say betrothed. That made me smile. Um, <laughs> well, I let's think, wrap things. Up. I think we should. I think that's the time to wrap things up. We've been talking a lot about this movie and a lot of things in general. I think we've had a really good discussion about. Yeah, I'd love to hear. Uh, more thoughts uh, if anybody that's listening to this has. You know, if you want to post on our Facebook page your reaction to something like this or anything we've talked about, be sure to do so or email us at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. Feel free to you know, play out a story. We'll, uh, we'll you know, read it. <laughs> we'll read it for sure. Yeah. My last thought on this is that that wedding sequence, often movies don't really show the groom getting emotional, and this one they did, and I was like, good job. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. When he also got punched in the balls. He did when he was eight. Oh no, no, it, no, happened, it no, happened. No, no, no. no yeah, yeah. Right. Happened. Yeah, so maybe he was feeling the pain. Yeah, yeah good point. <laughs> Wanger from the Oyanger. Um, let's move on. Let's. Uh, oh God. What are, when should people go and see this movie? It seems like we're all saying theaters. Yeah, yes. for sure. Yeah, go see it now. Yeah, after seeing it three times, I think you guys should see it now. Three times. Whew. I've already seen it three times. Good job. I've seen it twice. I definitely want to see it again. All right. Well. With all that said, uh, we've had a lengthy discussion about Crazy Rich Asians. Let's move on. Let's get to uh, Abe. What, uh, what time is it? All right, I think it's time for a quick game. Again, little known fact, Aaron was the composer in talks to uh, do the score for Crazy Rich Asians, but he was turned down. Brian Tyler got me again. That guy. Jeez, that guy. Yeah. 
I did like the, yeah. the, the title stuff in the movie, too. I thought that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. I got a game for you guys this week. Okay. Uh, it's one that I've been I've been wanting to do for a while, and I finally have a movie that kind that fits right in with what it is. It is called Movie Titles That Give the Plot Away. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to read the description of a film, and each answer is going to be a film where the title of the movie basically gives away what the plot is. So right, for, ex- for example, a Chinese American woman forms a relationship with a very wealthy man of Asian descent. Abe, what is crazy rich Asian? Exactly. So you would say your name uh... and then the answer. Okay, so I have a series of movies that are all going to follow the same sort of logic. Okay. Okay, here's the first one. A scientist makes a mistake that ends up making his children quite small. Abe. Abe. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids is the correct answer. Here's the next one. An FBI agent escorts a witness back to America, and their transportation ends up having serpents all over it. David. Michael. David. (laughs) Snakes on a plane. Snakes on a plane is the correct answer. <laughs> At first, I was thought you were talking about U.S. Marshals for whatever reason. Because I said, but then I was like, there are no snakes there. And, and because I said FBI agent. Yeah, that, well, that threw me off. <laughs> That's not a U.S. Marshal. I know. Here's the next one. A famous outlaw is eventually murdered by one of his biggest fans. Abe. Abe. Um, it's. The assassination of Jesse James over the coward Robert Ford. That is correct. <laughs> I had to think about it for a second. Here's the next one. The Man of Steel challenges the Cape Crusader before reaching a breaking point that leads oh, to geez. another movie. David? Wait. Oh, shit. What was it called again? <laughs> Batman v <Michael>. Superman. <laughs> full, full title. Full title. <laughs> the whole title. Oh, God. You're so close. Michael. Yeah, give it to Mike. Michael. Michael the Steel. Batman versus uh, Superman, Donna Justice. That is correct. There you go. Here's the next one. A father decides to quit. A father decides to quit his job and purchase an animal sanctuary. Abe. Abe. We bought a zoo. We bought a zoo. Is correct. (laughs) I've never seen that movie. They they buy a zoo. Um. Spoiler. Spoiler. Yeah. Spoilers. Here's the next one. A bank teller denies a demon a bank loan and is tormented and eventually taken to the underworld. Michael. Michael. Drag me to hell. Drag me to hell is the correct answer. That's what the movie is about. <laughs> you gotta watch Drag Me to Hell. I've never seen it. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's a loan denial. Interesting. Yeah, it's a it's a bank tower denies a demon a bank loan. That's the premise of the movie. <laughs> so she gets punished for it. Works for me. It's Sam Raimi. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the Human Torch was denied a bank loan as well. Yeah. Right, yeah. Good thing. Good thing. Gordon Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Here's the next one. <laughs> A group of friends hop into a jacuzzi and travel back in time. David. David. <laughs> Hot tub time machine. Hot tub time machine is the correct okay. answer. Okay. Hey, good. Here's the next one. Three bachelors find themselves having to take care of an infant. David. Michael. David. Oh. Three men and a baby. Correct. Three men and Ooh. a baby. Okay, because I was like, oh, maybe it's the other one. Biggest hit of Where? 1987. There you go. Not kidding. Here's the next one. And every man finds himself challenged with the fact that he's never made love. David. David. 40-year-old virgin. The 40-year-old virgin. Is that, is oh, clever. Well done. Nice. Here's the next one. A hulking hunter takes on an acidic monster in Antarctica. An acidic monster? A hulking in Antarctica? Hunt, a hulking hunter takes on an acidic monster in Antarctica. Michael. Michael? 
Alien versus Predator. Alien versus Predator is the correct oh. answer. Interesting. All right. This has been a good Ooh, and very challenging game. One, brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the last one, guys. I'm very. I have, I have to count this up because this looks like it's pretty close. Here's the next one. A young boy does everything he can to save a killer whale. David. Michael. David. Free Willy. Free Willy. That's uh, the correct answer. Of course. Let's see here. Uh, let's let me count up the the, the numbers. Close one. one. Hmm. I think, uh, I think I might have lost. Mm-hmm. I think I'm pulling up the rear, though. Mm-hmm. I think it was between, yeah. like, Michael and David. It is... Okay. Abe, you and Michael have tied for second but place. But for second place. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> David, you are a winner this week. Yeah. Good job, David. Good job. I win. I think we, I all, I think we all won, because that was a good game. That was a good game. Very clever. Thank you. That was too easy. Just kidding. Ooh, too easy. <laughs> no, because you know, because I won. Aaron's gonna remember that for the next for the next time you're yeah, the no, game, no, no, no. The game's it wasn't ex- too easy. They get exponentially harder. <laughs> All right. Well, that was games. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to some at now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, where we ask the listeners a number of questions. They gave us answers. Then they asked us some. I don't think we got any questions this week, though, which is unfortunate. I would have liked to field some questions, but it's okay. We've been going long anyway. Yeah, we're going to go long. Yeah, exactly. So let's start this off. What are your favorite romantic comedies? Christine writes so many, too many to list. And what counts as romantic comedy? Crocodile Dundee, Romance of the Stone, or are those more adventure? Is Barney's version romantic drama? Hi, I'm a lot of questions he's asking us. <laughs> yeah, a lot of questions, but uh, I, 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 I would, you named is I, a romantic comedy. I would say yes, yes, and yes. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, hi on my list. She has Some Like It Hot, Life or Something Like It, The Wedding Video, Overboard, and the obvious ones, like No One Cannot Like These Movies, Love Actually, and The Princess Bride. Okay. Uh, <laughs> David writes, probably counts as more of a legitimate drama, but I find Harold and Maude still makes me laugh, and it's one of my favorites. Jim writes, Death Wish. <laughs> Uh, Manish writes when Harry met Sally Adam's rib how to lose a guy in 10 days something's got to give my best friend's wedding and the holiday Catherine writes when Harry met Sally Adam's rib what of Adam's rib oh I think I nope I think I doubled it on mistake Mm. my bad I will look that up right now as I'm going Um, Michael you have 10 things I hate about you Um, Alan has Fight Club Um, ultimately that is a love story Cynthia has Bridget Jones's Diary. Joe has When Harry Met Sally. Scott Mendelson, friend of the show, has Returned to Me. Susan has The Wedding Singer. Ava has Fifty First Dates. And Philip has Emma, another Angley huh. film. Speaking of Angley. Or no, that's Sense and Sensibility. I always get those two mixed up for some Yeah, time. what's up with that, man? I think it's because the, the posters look similar. Anyway. Yeah. Other uh, favorite uh, romantic comedies? Nope. <laughs> great answer great answer sorry it's not my it's not the, the uh, it's not your forte I, huh? yeah not your jam I mean, romantic I, comedies I mean you know everything that everybody named there was actually one that I, I couldn't I thought about but I can't remember right now so when I remember it I'll just shout it out randomly I, I will note that we did mention My Best Friend's Wedding which I do think is a solid movie um, I think it's solid yeah I I, I Honestly, enjoy that movie. I can. Um, I found Catherine's, by the way, since I mixed it up. It says Kate and Leopold, Hugh Jackman and Meg Ryan, such a cute movie couple. Hugh Jackman is so funny. Um, the, the ones I can think of, the, uh, the actually, speaking of Meg Ryan, the Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan stuff. When Harry Met Sally, Sleep is in Seattle, You've Got Mail. Or sorry, When Harry Met Sally's Bill, Billy Crystal. Yeah, right? I was like, wait but, a minute. <laughs> but no, but, uh, but Sleep in Seattle. Tom Hanks? Sleep in Seattle, um, You Got Mail. Well, it's and, Meg Ryan, and, 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 and Joe versus the Volcano. I think that Joe versus the Volcano, I really go. like. Um, and I can also lean older. 
Um, uh, it happened one night is a fantastic movie. I love that. Good movie. One. Oh, that's uh, actually great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, that one's a great one. Uh, the number. Of I'm gonna add in the wood. That's the one I was thinking about. Oh, there you go. Okay. The number of screwball comedies, like uh, His Girl Friday, for example. I mean, there's a lot of things like that. Um, but yeah. Oh, great. Good talk. Yeah. Well, next question. What are your favorite films about very wealthy people? Joe has The Jerk. David on the show has Billy Madison. Gary has Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Tyler has Wolf of Wall Street. Tyler has uh, Pride and Prejudice. I'm sorry. Philip has Pride and Prejudice. Christine has Overboard. Justin has all those that have been said. I would also add Brewster's Millions. And Melody has, I like this movie, but it also made me sad. I think that's in reference to... Crazy Rich Asians. What's that? To Crazy Rich Asians. Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Um, Citizen Cade. It's a pretty uh, pretty good one. Okay, it has a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, trading Places. I had to think about that for a second, but yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, like they were so rich that they'd basically just make a dollar bet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's what they're all about. Did you guys have any? Uh, Michael or, or David? Nope. It's about <laughs> super super rich people. Nope. All right, cool. Next yeah, question. Wolf, 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 Wolf of Wall Street yeah, yeah. is a good answer. <laughs> yeah, that I, is put good in, answer. Uh, I put in, uh, you know, Billy Does Madison. Iron Man count? <laughs> Iron yeah, Man count. Of course. It's, he's really weird. Okay, there we go. Yeah, let's yeah. go with Iron Man then. Batman. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> Nobody all had Rich Richie Rich. No, because it's a terrible movie. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't want to remember that movie. Yeah. We can talk about uh, the, the HBO show Succession, which has Kieran Culkin. That's about all the average people. It's a good show. Well, next question. What are your favorite movie, or I'm sorry, what are your favorite strict or protective mo- uh, movies about mothers? Blah. That was a mouthful there. Jim has Mommy Dearest. Christopher has Carrie, Now, and Voyager. Nathan has Hush. Justin has Waterboy. And lastly, Philip has Forrest Gump. I, I will say, the question's not a mouthful. You read it as a mouthful. I just read it super quickly. <laughs> uh, Stricter protective movie mothers. I mean, you gotta go with Carrie. Okay. Yep. That's like a really mean mom. <laughs> and who's the mom that says, like, no wire hangers? That's, um, that's, that's, uh, Mommy Dearest. Um, yeah. So Jim, Jim got that covered. Yeah. All right. All right, uh, next question we have. Favorite films that celebrate family? Uh, Amy, friend of the show, writes Death of Death at a Funeral, the British version, the Frank Oz film. Uh, Christopher writes Soul Food, Almost Christmas, Four Brothers, and Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, Justin has The Original Vacation. Philip has Our Little Sister. David has Parenthood. And Jim Dietz mm-hmm. has Fanny and Alexander. That's a, yep, that's, that's, that's an example. Those are some good ones. I'll throw Little Miss Sunshine in there. I'm going to throw in the Rod Cinnabombs. There you go. I got nothing. <laughs> the Incredibles. There you go. There you Boom. Go. That was great. Yeah. That's perfect. There you go. And the next question, what would you uh, cast John Cho in? Uh, this is in relation to Searching, which we'll talk about uh, in a special episode. Marcus, friend of the show, has Harold and Kumar, the animated series. Uh, I think they kind of did that with Harold and Kumar, the Christmas movie. They went animated for a, a brief section. Do they? Maxwell House. Yeah, they, they go claymation. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Clearly, Maxwell, I, clearly uh, I remember this movie. <laughs> I remember there's a waffle machine in it that's like a robot. I remember that. I don't remember that part. I don't remember that part. Yeah, it's like it's like a waffle machine, and like, and Kumar's like really obsessed with it because it's like, it's a cool what robot waffle machine. It's like having fun with them and stuff. 
Anyway. <laughs> this is a long segment on Harold yeah. Kumar. <laughs> Maxwell has Batman. Um, Philip has more dramas. And he, he was actually in a drama this year where he – it was a small independent movie where he go, goes back to the, a small town. Last year, um, and uh, he's, Columbus. Last year. Yeah. Yeah, where, where he's the lead in that movie too. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a very well-shot movie, uh, Columbus. Okay, good to hear. I've not seen it. Um, but yeah, I mean this is part of this, this whole hashtag Cash John Cho thing that was, that was going around briefly last year. Um, where it's like, what if John Cho is just the lead in all these movies because he's very talented and can easily be the lead in a lot of movies? Uh, we're going to talk about Searching eventually, but you know, since we're on the topic, uh, Michael, you've seen Searching, right? Yes, I have. Any uh, any brief thoughts that you want to give on that? Um, the first opening scene hooks you in, and you're you by that time you've already bit into the the idea that this movie is going to take place on a computer screen. So yeah, hmm. that's what I have to say. All right. Okay. Our next question is, uh, favorite films that involve a missing person? Christopher has Gone Girl, Taken, Silence of the Lambs, and Prisoners. Justin Those says, are some great answers. Yeah. Justin says, Those this, are all great examples. Justin says, this has to be Star Wars, right? <laughs> uh, Possibly. Gary has a very long engagement. Philip has Gone, Baby Gone. And Nathan has Prisoners. These gone, are all solid. Gone, Baby Gone yeah. is easily the answer I would have given. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love Silence of the Lambs. One of my top movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Um... Well, you guys have any favorite missing person movies? Batman and the Wasp is pretty good. There you go, Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> it's a missing person movie, I guess. Yeah. I mean, she's been gone for like twenty years, right? Stuck in, in, the, in, the, in the nano world. Yeah. Come on. Just <laughs> because it's superhero movie, can yeah. it be about missing persons? There's nothing. Give Dark Knight its credit. There's nothing wrong with your answer. I just that was just funny. <laughs> <laughs> Well, was an Iron Man a missing persons movie? Yeah, too, sure, then? yeah, 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 Mike. <laughs> in, in Iron Man three? Yeah, no, he's missing yeah, in the beginning. The he, get, he is missing in the beginning. He gets, he gets hit. He, he gets missing in the first movie. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's maybe we should make it about like a missing persons the whole. No, movie. Yeah, Avengers: Infinity War, guys. Where's Hawkeye? Where is he at? I don't know. Rest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the last question is: favorite films that heavily involve social media and the internet. Uh, Chris has hackers or the social network. Scooter has the net. Justin has antitrust. Philip has chef. Chef's a great answer to that question. I like that. That is, yeah. They use it. They use uh, social media heavily in that yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Avengers: uh, Age of Ultron, because he's you know he's in the, he's in the internet. Yeah, he's got to do the internet. Thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a perfect answer. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> Good answer. Somehow it always comes back to a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was feedback. 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 All right. Let's uh let's move on now. Let's get let's start wrapping things up here. Let's get to um out now presents what's out now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray or DVD or 4K this week. Got a number of things here. First up, Upgrade. Upgrade's great. It's a lot I've of heard fun. that it's good. It's, yeah. a lot, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Good movie. Um, Book Club. I that movie is like in a top ten right now, <laughs> isn't it? It's not in the top ten, but it made its money. It, yeah, it made it, a, it quite did, a bit of money. It did well for itself. It looks awful. I don't want to see it at all, but, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, feel free to give me A or an A on these as I go through. Um, American Animals. I really like this movie, actually. Heard good this, things, yeah, yeah. I was a big fan of this one. Um, Tag. I've heard mixed reviews. Yeah, I, I was not a fan of this movie. <laughs> um, RBG. I've heard great things. Uh, Woman Walks Ahead. This is a uh, Jessica Chastain western that came out briefly, and it's going to be... Uh, now it's on Blu-ray. It's going to be in the stream. Yeah, I heard that it was well. like in and out of theaters. Yeah. 
The Flash, Season 4. Sure, why not? It's better than Season 2 and 3. I liked it more than that. So there you go. <laughs> I like The Flash in general. But it, was, it, it was an uptick, I thought. Uh, the Universal Classic Monsters 30 Film Collection. <coughs> So this, sure, why not? It's a uh, classic. Yeah, it's it's all the universal. It's almost all of the universal classic monster movies, including the Abbott and Costello movies, which I thought was really clever because those movies are great. For one thing, they're the Avengers of the universal classic monster movies, and it's great that they included them within this set because they do feature all the monsters. But what yeah, about does does it come with the Tom Cruise mummy? No, it's the classic then, monsters, not the not the trashy monsters. <laughs> no, no sale. Then. They lost the sale. No sale. <laughs> Let's see, uh, Lucifer, season three. Wow, good job in three seasons. And they got, like, one more coming, too, I think, through... Uh, That's know, uh, either Netflix. Net, either Netflix, right? Yeah. Yeah, Netflix. Because they got canceled off Fox, but they got one more to go, or at least for now, they got one more. Uh, Once Upon a Time, season seven. Ugh. It went seven that far. Seasons? Yeah. Well, that's the. I believe this is the final season as well, so... Oh, still, seven seasons, good job. I guess, yeah. Uh, Bound, signature edition, the uh, Wachowski's first movie. Uh, I've heard good things. And uh, let's see. Brain Scan is the new film on Screen Factor this week. This has Eddie Furlong, I believe, among other people. Is he going by Eddie Furlong now? I call him Eddie Furlong. Okay, all right, because you're friends. Is it, is it Edward? Yes, it's Edward Furlong. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, lastly, uh, Tucker, The Man in His Dream. This is the uh, Francis Ford Coppola film starring Jeff Bridges. It's got a new Blu-ray release. Mm, okay. Never actually seen Tucker. Very, I, I've heard mixed things about it, but I want to check it out at some point because I do like Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, or, I like a lot of Francis Ford Coppola. This is in, this is in the '80s, so it's like hit or miss Francis Ford Coppola. As opposed to the '90s, which is like, oh boy, Dracula, and then all this other stuff. Mainly, it's just Jack. I, I, think really, it's I really Bram hate Bram Stoker's Dracula. It is. You're right, and I'm, I apologize to the listeners for not getting the full title correctly the first Thank time. Thank you. I just hate Jack so much, Abe. It just makes me it makes me upset that I forget about his other '90s films like The Rainmaker, which is a good movie. <laughs> Anyway, that's what's out now. Moving on. Let's get to Extremely Cool. These are things that are now streaming on Netflix or Prime. And first up on Netflix, we have something called The After Party. I believe this is a Netflix original, which they have many of. But I saw that. I was like, haven't oh, heard of it. Yeah, I saw. I, I don't even know what it's about. I forgot at this point. I, I wrote it down. I was like, oh, that's one that I'll make note of. Um, Ghoul. This is an Indian horror miniseries produced by Bloomhouse. I am very interested in seeing this. It's like three episodes long. They're all like forty-five minutes. It's like that's doable. That's that's sounds interesting. That's my preferred kind of series, right there. Three episodes, forty-five yeah. minutes. That's that's done. Uh, but yeah, it does sound interesting. So I want I want to check that one out. And uh, the Good Place season two. Woo! I've heard great things. For my money, the best sitcom on TV, right? Or at least on like main network TV right now. I think the there Good Place go. is fantastic. And Brooklyn Nine Nine. Brooklyn Nine Nine is great that's too. You. Yeah. Well, yeah. they're both they're both Michael Schur shows, so like I can't go wrong either way. Like. <laughs> And on Prime, sure. on Prime, this yeah, thank you. Thanks for that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> on Prime this week, uh, the uh, that film, the Woman Walks Ahead, that Jessica Chastain film, that's on Prime as well. And also, a uh, Disobedience, the film with uh, Rachel McAdams and uh, Rachel, Vi- the both the Rachels, Rachel Vise is on uh, Prime this mm. week. Okay. Uh, let's see, next week's show, next week, guys, it's the end of the summer gamble. Abe and I will be joined by several of the participants in Summer Gamble. We'll see just who did come out with the highest uh, highest point total um, in, uh, in relation to predicting the top 10 highest grossing films of the summer. We will see what happens with that. I have no idea which of us will win. Um, <laughs> last thing we do here, what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Michael Lee, what should people see in theaters right now? 
Crazy Rich Asians, of course. All right. What are you seeing next? Uh, I'm seeing Peppermint next. Right. Okay. David, what do people see in theaters right now? The Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> what are you seeing next? Sur- searching. Okay. Abe? Yeah, I definitely recommend Crazy Rich Asians. If you uh, haven't had a chance to go see 8th Grade, I'd also recommend that. And then seeing next, searching, and uh, anything else that I might be missing. All right. <laughs> all, of them. all of them. Yeah. Uh, I, um, I would continue to recommend Mission Impossible because it's still there great. Um, yeah, searching when it spreads wide, I, I certainly would recommend going to see that because obviously you want to listen to this podcast. That's the only reason, regardless of quality, you just want to listen to the show about it. And um, yeah, Black Klansman's still out there and still phenomenal. So I would recommend that as well. Okay, I need to see that. And um, la- uh, what am I seeing next? I'm seeing The Little Stranger next. This is the new film from uh, Lenny Abramson, who I'm a big fan oh. of. Did Room and uh, Frank. So it's, oh, okay. you know, it's one of his longer titles. Uh, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, uh, sounds, it, like an, sounds, sounds like an adult film. It's, I don't know why. It's got, yeah. it's, it's got <laughs> Domo Gleeson, Will Poulter, and it looks it looks like a creepy, like, it looks like The Orphanage. It reminds me of Domo Gleeson and Will Poulter, so I can't tell who, who is, uh, who's who in the movie. Oh, you'll be able to watch the trailer. You'll know who's who, I guarantee okay. you. <laughs> but no, I'm excited for this one. I, I like Lady Averson a lot. It, as I said, and uh, as Anna pointed out too, uh, it reminds us of The Orphanage, so I'm, I'm curious to see Ooh, where this goes. Now I'm, now I'm not going to see it. That's, that's the look of this thing, so I'm excited to see this one. Um, all right, well, with that all said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of About Now, Third and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeke.com. You can find all my written movie review. You can find all my written movie reviews as well as my coverage of Preacher over at We Live Entertainment. And I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff over on my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash wallopsmoose, hashtag crazy normal Asians, and also sub640 the podcast. Uh, David, yeah, where can people find more of your work online? Endorexpress.net, or you could find my Instagram, Coyete Boy, C O H E T E Boy. Michael Lee, where can people find more of you online? They can find me more online on uh, geeksdoom.com and that's at la.com, and on Twitter and Instagram at I am Michael J. Lee. Did you change it? Did you, did you change it? I did, did change it. You it's did. easier. It's yeah. easier to read now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now Theater Name over on iTunes, Audioboom, and Spotify. Listen to us over HHWOD, SoundCloud, or Podomatic. Did and you, Spotify. Did you hear how I, I took pride in saying Spotify? Just yeah, like... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, feel free to email us any thoughts you might have had on anything we discussed today over at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Send us feedback, write us anything over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or you can tweet us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And be sure to pl- send us plenty of gifts of. I don't know, crazy eight rich Asian things over at outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. <laughs> Thanks in advance. Yes. Uh, Michael, David, thank you both for joining us Thank today. you so much. This has been a great discussion. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you. Great. And until next week, when we determine just how much Mark Hoban lost by, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until then, so long. Goodbye. So long.
清风。